everybody. Good morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning. Or, like we say every week, late Saturday night. If you're still out and about in the city that never sleeps, I didn't see anybody out there tonight. It's a beautiful night, though. Maybe you're in a rideshare home, or maybe you're working on a weekend like usual. Hey, me and Pat are, too. He's even working on his birthday. So happy birthday, Pat. You guys know that number, 877-337-6666. Let's load them up with the best content only. Everybody, as always, and everybody, let's be nice to Pat tonight. Coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. We're going to be together a lot tonight, so let's get it going. I've got a very special guest for you. I intentionally turned up the difficulty in the clues that I gave on social media. Either you guys are too smart or they're too easy. So for this week, I gave you guys on my socials, that's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartney. I gave you three emojis. One was a freezing cold emoji face. Two were two trophies. And thinking about it, I probably should have put two rings. And three was a football. And Tim from East Haven on Facebook, he saw the trophies and he said, well, we know it's not a jet, which actually made me laugh out loud. He's right. He's a giant, a, a giant that played in that negative 23 degree wind chill game at Lambeau Field that won two Super Bowls with the Giants and kicked them into one of them in 2008. Well, that's when he kicked them into it. You know what yet? Lawrence Tynes will be joining us at 420 this morning if you wanted to set your alarm and, uh, and wake up again for that. It's going to be at 420. So, Mets, we got a lot of New York Mets news going on this uh, this Saturday. There's been a flurry of activity going on with the Mets Saturday afternoon and Sunday evening. And everything seems to be coming together for the New York Mets. On a day where Steve Cohen... On a day where Steve Cohen and his wife Alex greeted season ticket holders, everything's coming together for the Mets. They met, they met a fit, uh, season ticket holders socially distanced outside City Field, the team, and after uh, about a week-long real intense courtship, signed my number one free agent catcher, James McCann, to a four-year, $40 million plus incentives deal. James McCann is a pitcher's dream come true in terms of pitch framing, pitch blocking, and just overall defense behind the plate. And bonus, he's got some pop at the plate. I also think it's an exceptionally fair contract for both sides. The Mets are set behind the dish. The white smoke is also billowing not from the Sistine Chapel, but from City Field as the Mets made a decision on their search for the general manager. Last week, we had on this show collectively decided that after the gm list. Uh, Trevor May signing that Sandy Alderson would probably assume GM responsibilities for this season, even though he wanted a seat at the table, just not a head at the table. They did not take my suggestion of Jeff Luno, but I'll live, especially when one looks at the resume of their choice, Jared Porter. All you really need to know is that the guy knows what he's doing. He's got three World Series rings with the Red Sox and one with the Cubs. That makes four in total. Mets fans are certainly hopeful that he can add more to his hands here in New York. We will, of course, discuss his hire in more detail. And while the Mets have been busy this offseason, the Yankees just haven't. DJ LeMahieu still needs to be the first domino to fall. I think we all understand that. But no one seems to know why that piece hasn't fallen into place just yet. Another week, another no sign. 
frustrations and anxiety in and among the Yankees fan base is growing and deservedly so. How long will DJ wait around before getting an offer that he can't refuse from somewhere else? Five years, $100 million, get her done, Cashman. And if all of the kings had their queens on the throne, we would pop champagne and raise our toes. Kyrie Irving is out here trying to play chess in New York City. If he could only realize that the media-player relationship is a symbiotic one, we could all pop champagne together. Kyrie Irving and the Nets were each fined $25,000 for his refusals several times this past week to comply with the league's media rules. You would think a guy who was just fined less than 1% of his annual salary would just shut up and pay it. Nope, not this guy. He issued issued a statement via his official Instagram story, which is absolutely laughable. Real official, right? Let's look at the three parts of this distracting ridiculousness. A, he wrote, so stop distracting me and my team and appreciate the art with a capital A, by the way. We move different over here. Well, first, it's grammatically correct to say differently, K, and you, sir, are the distraction. B, he wrote, I do not talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. Hence the song Kings and Queens by Ava Max. Mr. Irving, you need to listen to your former teammate, Kevin Love, who said, quote, I think that calling anybody a pawn is a sure sign of disrespect. I, sir, Mr. Kyrie Irving, I am a queen, you New York rook. I move in any direction I want. You need to follow the rules. And the final thing was, he said, I pray we utilize the fine money for the marginalized communities in need, especially seeing where our world is presently. Well, that made me laugh because, man, you were elected in February as the vice president of the National Basketball Players Association. Surely the VP of the NBA PA knows that all of the fine money across the entire league does, in fact, go to charity. So, A, you're creating even more drama and taking advantage of people who don't know that or don't know any better. Or, B, let this queen explain this to you, New York rookie. Half of your fine money goes to the league's, if you didn't know this, half of your fine money goes to the league's charitable partners, and the other half goes to your NBA PA Foundation, which is a 503C3 nonprofit. Oh, and you didn't know that? Really? As the elected VP? Let me educate you. More than 15 countries around the world, around the round globe, Kyrie Irving, have received your players' fine money in an effort to grow the game of basketball for kids. For example, it has, and listen carefully, in New Orleans, given a three-year commitment to a midnight basketball program to reduce crime while offering job training services. This is your fine money, Kyrie Irving. It does go to charity. In Los Angeles... They have a three-year, $150,000 pledge to refurbish all the basketball courts throughout the city. That's your fine money, Kyrie Irving. See, you need me. You need the New York media to educate you on things like that. What you don't yet realize is that there is a winner and there is a loser in this hypothetical chess match that you've created. And rarely, if ever, does the player win it here in New York. Checkmate. Kyrie Irving, either you control the narrative or the narrative controls you, and I'm in charge of doing that. I know you're new around here, so here's a tip from this queen. Pack the shtick in, talk about your basketball team, or get shipped out, because James Harden is a better player anyway. I issued my guidance right here, on air, to Adam Gase, 
at the beginning of his first season. He didn't take my advice. He's on his way out. Do you want the same fate? Saturday afternoon, head coach, and I'm putting in quotes there because that's what you called him, head coach Steve Nash said, I haven't addressed this with him. That too, sir, is a clown move. Check, Steve Nash. Handle it. Do better. Don't let your inexperience shine through. Oh, and guys, just because you've been so distracted by Kyrie Irving's circus, the Nets do have their first preseason game at 6 p.m. later today against the Washington Wizards, in case you were wondering. What a roller coaster game for the Jets and Raiders this last week. Now, there could have been three heroes of this game. Thank you to the Foo Fighters for that. Jets fans are quite thankful for Derek Carr and his ability to chuck it deep down the field in a clutch situation. Am I right? Well, maybe then there's number two, Henry Ruggs, securing that touchdown grab for the win on the other end of it. But. My note from the final play of that game was, and this is, I wrote this down as soon as the play happened, Greg Williams, what kind of defensive call is that? Greg Williams was my hero for the Jets last week, and watch him as he goes. Greg Williams called an all-out blitz with a rookie cornerback on a wide receiver in Henry Ruggs who actually runs a 4.27 official time 40-yard dash. He is one of the fastest guys in the entire league. Lamar Jackson, that that rookie cornerback, not the quarterback from uh, the Ravens, he was fully accountable after that game. He stayed. He answered questions. He said it's not going to define his career. And he got toasted into oblivion. Good for him. That's what you want to see. Kyrie Irving should take a book out of of that rook's book, to be honest. I then opened up Twitter and quickly saw that every single person had the same thought as me. The first two tweets that just came up in my timeline were from Antonio Cromartie, and he said, this is a quote, what in the hell was New York Jets doing? And then Mike Teal, former Rutgers quarterback, um, NFL quarterback, he nailed it. He said, cover zero in that situation? They're trying to throw the season for the number one pick. That, my friends, was Greg Williams' parting gift to his frenemy, Adam Guru, and to Jets Nation. He knew he was going to be fired sooner or later. And he picked a perfect time to blow one of the only remaining games that the Jets actually had a chance to win this season. And they were going to win it up until six seconds remaining in the game. To me, there was so much more behind that whole scenario. This Jets team was always operating as two separate factions, the defense and the offense. Frustrations from last season and from this season came to a head in that pregame that week where you saw that uh, Guru and Williams were fighting before the game on the sideline, and Williams probably sensed or even knew, already knew, that he was on thin ice. Maybe they were firing him anyway after that game. Who knows? Maybe he wants a head start on a new, another job. Is it a head coaching gig? Uh, maybe that's what he wants, but I don't know if he's going to get it. Williams was completely over-aggressive in that situation that really anyone that has ever played a game of Madden knows you play prevent defense there, right? Sunday, 4.58 p.m. after the game, obviously, as I'm eating dinner, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, by myself. I tweeted, this is a quote. I said, you know, I think Williams loses his job this week. He absolutely embarrassed his frenemy, Adam Guru, on that final play call. He, his ego, and Christopher Johnson will will retaliate by stripping Williams of his job. Then, I don't know, maybe like 18 hours later, 
get the notification Monday, 11.15 a.m., Jets fire defensive coordinator Greg Williams. So there goes my hero. Watch him as he goes. Especially, that was huge because the Jacksonville Jaguars, who is the obviously the Jets' biggest competition this season for, you know, the number one overall pick, not for anything else, the Jaguars took the Vikings to overtime, and then they lost. So thank you, Greg Williams, for maintaining the Jets' tank and for keeping hopes alive for Trevor Lawrence, for being a martyr to that cause. And before we start the Knicks section here, I've got to say something. Obi Toppin was born in Brooklyn, is definitely the new Todd Frazier is from Tom's River. Enough already. Thank you. going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes they're going to have to lose, but the New York Knicks have begun their their Miley Cyrus climb. There's a quote by Bill Barcells that I love. There's winning and then there's misery. I think he, Tom Thibodeau, and I'm putting Joe Judge in that, they're all cut from the same cloth. Old school and holding players accountable. Tom Thibodeau said something this week that I totally agree with in terms of his coaching philosophy. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, I like that there's competition. Nothing will be given to anyone. You'll have to earn your minutes. Rotations are based on performance and what's best for the team to win. You have the impact. You have to impact winning. This staff will focus on teaching. There's so much to like there, but my favorite parts are the competition from within and the staff's focus on teaching. Focus on the fundamentals, especially with a young group, which will benefit the team. Totally. I liked a lot from him. Coaching his first preseason game as if it was game seven of the finals. That's how I coach. Every possession is important, especially with a group of young, impressionable players. Like I had. And like he has on his team. I was sitting there Friday night watching, and I feel like Tom Thibodeau is to the Knicks as Joe Judge is to the Giants. They have the same coaching philosophy. I'm pretty sure that's clear. And I also feel like the Knicks will eventually get there under Tom Thibodeau. And I'm talking, like, actually seriously. Whether you're a New York Giants fan or not, you should be able to appreciate what Joe Judge is doing with that team. The Giants are absolutely playing up for him, which means that he's teaching them the right way. There's an emphasis on fundamentals, and most importantly, even in my philosophy, teaching them the cerebral game. When I coach softball, don't just get up there and hack the ball on the tee. Envision the ball being pitched, swing through it, And imagine where it goes based on your contact. Or I tell the kids, stand at the tee with the situation in your mind and execute your tee drill appropriately. Address your weaknesses. The mental, the cerebral game is so important and yet so undervalued and underpracticed. Mark my words, most of these players will play above their ability for Tom Thibodeau. The problem is, collectively, there really isn't a lot of it on that team. But he is the best marketing point to try to lure a big-name free agent next season. My favorite scene from, from Tom Thibodeau Friday night came at the beginning of the third quarter. Blake Griffin was left all alone behind the three-point line after a Knicks turnover founded in miscommunication. Basically, zero effort to get back on the defense thereafter left a wide-open Griffin. Griffin, and he looked around incredulously before he drained a three. Thibodeau immediately called the timeout and started to rip his team, and I loved it. It's not, is that not similar to Joe Judge making his team run laps for making Sterling Shepard fetch a ball that he launched after getting a first down at practice? Defense in basketball is not terribly hard. It requires some knowledge, but more so, a lot of effort. 
Friday night, the Knicks forced 22 turnovers. That's great. They were pesky for most of the night. They got deflections, they got into passing lanes, and they turned those turnovers into points. 11 points off turnovers in the first half. The emphasis on defense, isn't this also like Joe Judge? The Knicks are still not making the playoffs, so I hate to burst your bubble, Knicks fans. But with Tom Thibodeau at the helm long term, this team is poised for it in the not-so-distant future. After all, Joe Judge's Giants, if the season ended today, stop the count, would be in the playoffs. I don't know if there's any Giants fan expected that upon entering this season. There are only four, se- four preseason basketball games. The first one for the Knicks was a win, 90-84. to They'll stay in Detroit. They'll take on the Pistons again at 7 p.m. later tonight. And the regular season opener is December 23rd, 7 p.m. versus the Indiana Pacers. The Knicks are 1-0 in preseason ball. But that's okay. There hasn't been much winning going around the team as of late. So go and celebrate while you can, Knicks fans. Lots to do tonight. Lots to get to. Especially the New York Giants possibly making the playoffs. Let's hit the calls. All is on the table. I cannot wait to talk to you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. After midnight on The Fan in New York City. Join us tomorrow morning on Boomer and Geo. How much did the Jets lose by? Did the Giants keep it rolling? And I can't wait to tell you all what Bill Cowher told me behind the scenes at the NFL today. Boomer and Geo, 6 to 10 a.m. right here on The Fan with the warm-up show with Alan Jerry starting at 5. I picked this song, and I laughed when I picked it because this is obviously the Smash, Smash Mouth version made famous by the movie Shrek. I'm sure you've seen it. Shrek's a good movie. I've seen all of them, Shrek the Halls, all, all Shrek 1 through whatever. But um, my mom told me to tell you guys, make sure that you say that this was a monkey song originally because they're going to not know um, that you know that. So, yes, uh, originally from the monkeys, Smash Mouth redid it, made famous by Shrek. But... The point is, you guys know that I am a total believer in Joe Judge and the New York Giants to win the NFC East. I've I've been on this train for a couple weeks now. Here's another example. So last week, I had the Giants in a four-team parlay. The Giants win. I had the Giants win, which they were 10.5-point road underdogs, as you know, and the rest of the NFC East to lose. Not one of them was a favorite. None of them. After that huge Giants upset, I was convinced that I was going to turn my $10 into $110. That was until the Washington football team rallied for 14 points and handed the Pittsburgh Steelers their first and only loss of the season so far. Any given Sunday, right? So how do you all like the Giants' chances against the Arizona Cardinals this weekend? I absolutely think the Giants will win this game, and we can talk about why in in a few moments here. And so the weekly question is, Who wins the NFC East, New York or Washington? At the moment, right now, I use 538. I like that website. Here are their percentages to win the NFC East. First of all, the Cowboys and the Eagles are are out. At this moment in time, they are both out. Right now, the Giants have a 52% chance to win the East and Washington with a 39. Obviously, the difference made up by the other two teams. So the Giants 52, Washington 39%. That's right now. Now, if the Giants and Washington football team both win or lose this week, they both win, they both lose, it's virtually unchanged, it's plus or minus a few percentage points. Okay. If the Giants win this week, and Washington loses to San Francisco, where they are three-and-a-half-point underdogs, so Giants win, Washington loses, the Giants are bumped to an 80% chance to win the East. Okay. So what happens if the Giants lose, and Washington wins? 
well, that's big trouble because the Giants dropped to a 20% chance to win the East. That's how important this game is to the Giants this week. I know they're all a must-win, but this one is absolutely a must-win for Big Blue. But Giants fans, isn't this fun? Scoreboard watching on December 13th? Don't you wish that you'd be able to cheer them on at MedLife Stadium from a limited capacity like at so many other stadiums across the country? And by the way, the tweets are coming in. It's Pat Boyle's birthday. Vince Quinn, by the way, Pat. Vince says happy birthday from next door at the CBS Network. Uh, a lot of a lot of happy birthday tweets coming in. Hey, thanks, Vince. <laughs> um, Bryant Lewis, who's at ProudPop20, says, I'm feeling you, queen. Hashtag checkmate. That's the Kyrie Irving story. And then someone thought it was my birthday. No, it's Pat's birthday. Um, they wrote LMFAO Miley Cyrus. I That was another funny one. When I pick Miley Cyrus for the Knicks song, it's the climb. It's going to be an uphill battle. You're going to lose. That was a perfect song for the Knicks. So. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's been a long climb. It's been a Mount Everest-esque climb. Yeah, but the— And, and we're, not even, we're not even halfway up. Tom Thibodeau is the right, the right piece, though. I'm telling we you. Th- we all thought Fizdale was the right piece, too, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, though. I-, I like Tom Thibodeau. I like what he's bringing to the table here, his philosophy, his coaching philosophy. I like. No, I mean, I do, too. Again, he gets his teams to play hard, gritty defense. That's uh, never a bad thing. Um but, you know, again, you just hope that it lines up. You hope he can get to the young guys and, and, and teach them and, and the rest of the coaching staff can get these guys to play some good uniform team basketball and that they're a good defensive, again, gritty team, like his Bulls teams were for basically the better part of a decade. He went to Minnesota, it didn't work out. I mean, we've seen other coaches go to other places not work out, so hopefully he's able to at least get the Knicks to the next step and where they need to be because they've basically been at the starting blocks. The last 15 years. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's funny. But 22 turnovers in that first preseason game, if you're a Knicks fan, you got to like that at least, right? At least they're putting in the effort. Let's go to the calls. 877-337-6666. The best part of the show is you guys, not me. Kevin in Camden leads us off again this week. Kevin, what's up? What's up, Coach? I want to talk about the uh, New York Giants. First off, okay. Um, I'm not scared of Kyler Murray. I agree with you there, um, especially with DeAndre Hopkins. I think he might be out. I'm not sure, but if he's out, that's a big help for the Giants. Now, I called you last year. I forget what exact month it was, but I told you I called you about the Leonard Williams trade. I remember that call. Mm. The juice was worth the squeeze. I think we both kind of joked about it, but man, I, I was wrong about it because dang, he is. He has turned it around big time. And I'm telling you this right now. I'll be the first one to give him a new deal. I'll resign him. I wouldn't even let him reach Yeah, You have to. He's in the the upper echelons of the NFL in terms of sacks. What is he, eight and a half? I think that's his his career best, right? Yeah. Yes, I believe you're right. Yes. I mean, come on. It it worked out for him. Change of scenery. I'll I'll be glad to admit that was wrong. Yeah, I was kind of wrong on that one, too. I just saw what he did with the Jets and didn't think it was going to translate over to what the Giants were doing with him. I think we both wrong this. And the Mets real quick. Kevin, right. Um, Wait, before we even go any further, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is questionable. Finally, the official report is questionable for Sunday, just so uh, everybody knows. Yeah, we'll we'll see. see. But yeah. And the Mets, real quick, I I love the McCann thing. And I was with you there with McCann. I was with you. What I would do next is Springer. Yes. People talk about Bauer. And that's good. You know, all right, Bauer's good, but I think Springer would help the Mets a lot more. You need a center fielder, a true center fielder. You put Nemo, Springer, and Conforto on that outfield. 
Gotta be something. I'm telling you, Springer's the guy for the Mets, and that's what they need to do. Yes. So, you know, I'm just saying. But And, and happy birthday, Ted, by the way. <laughs> he just gave you a, a thumbs Thank up. You, Kevin. <laughs> All right, Kevin. All right, thank, thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. Yeah, uh, so George Springer. It, it, okay, if you're a Mets fan, you've got your, your extra uh, help in the back end of that bullpen in uh, Trevor May. You got your catcher. And I know it's not JT Realmuto, and I told you on this show that it, I didn't want it to be JT Realmuto if I'm a Met fan. James McCann is the right guy for the job. Okay, you've got that now. Next, what's the next move? I know in regular off-seasons, Mets fans would be like, okay, yeah, we did, we did all right, we did good. This season is a little different for Mets fans. It's off-season, I should say. Um, what's next is the question, and I think... Uh, George Springer is next. I mean, there's no question. George Springer is the next piece of the Mets, uh, of the, the cog in the Mets system. The next piece in the next in the, the Mets puzzle is George Springer. As Kevin mentioned, an outfield with George Springer in center field, Nimmo in right, and, uh, and Nemo and Conforto in left field. I mean, that is a formidable outfield, you guys. That's the real deal. I mean, what they can do defensively, that outfield and what they can do at the plate, that outfield. It's it's a no-brainer. And then the next move after that I would like to see the Mets make is one more piece, just one more. I don't – the Mets, as Kevin said, the Mets don't need Trevor Bauer. They don't need him. And if you saw on Twitter, and we could talk about how he's using Twitter to kind of uh, up his, his free agency here and up his game here. But, again, when I left my house before – it's, it was trending uh, Trevor Bauer to the Angels. So he said that basically he was impressed by the Angels fan base and the Mets fan base. I never saw Trevor Bauer trending to the Mets. I never saw that. I, I, do, I don't think he, he would be. I mean, of course, the Mets would take him, right? Of course. He's the NL Cy Young award winner uh, for the past season. But when the Mets have, they re-sign, once they re-signed Stroman, I was like, you know what? Priority downgraded on Trevor Bauer because the Mets have, I mean, look at this. The top three are going to be eventually by, you know, April. I think Syndergaard will be back. So let's just say um, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman. I'd roll with that. You don't need Bauer in there. You don't need him. He would be extra. Again, the next, the the, the priorities for the Mets should be. Um, Now, once they've, the moves that they already made are great. Now, let's go if you're a Met fan, you're hoping for Springer next. I am a very big advocate for for Brad Hand, and and as for the Yankees too, Yankees should be taking a nice long look at Brad Hand. So Springer, Brad Hand, then maybe possibly Trevor Bauer. I actually think he ends up on the Angels. That's just my cake. I don't know. We'll see. See what happens. Let's go to Dave in Staten Island. Dave, you're on the fan. Hey Danielle, how are you? What's up, Dave? Good, good. So first of all, I just got to say, I really enjoy your show. You really do a great job breaking things down. Thank you. Appreciate it. Definitely. So I'm a diehard Mets fan. Um, I got to say, really um, very happy with the moves today. Um, yeah. I personally think the crown, um, you know, jewels, so to speak, and all this, McCann is definitely a great move. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that they got a pretty good contract on McCann, even going four years? Beautiful. I love it. I do. 
Okay, so in terms of the contract, you, you think that still sets us up pretty nicely to be able to go after like a George Springer type? Yeah, yeah, and and, and it, it allows them, like you just said. So my plan or my or my proposal last week on the air was three years at th- uh, thirty million, so ten million per year. What they ended up giving them was four years at forty million, still ten million a year. What that does is it gives them the flexibility to then take that dollar and go out and spend it on other needs, like you just said, on a, on a George Springer. Yes. Definitely, definitely able to go ahead and spread it. And I tell you what I was going to say, the one that I think the crown jewel in all this, mm-hmm. it's amazing how we were thinking about that we might not be able to get an actual GM. And I love the fact how instead of like trying to reinvent the wheel last time, with, let's say with Brody, oh, where, where, where it still basically blew up when we, when we gave Cano a contract. Yes. I mean, here we actually got somebody that actually has baseball experience. Mm-hmm. He's been a part of four World Series teams mm-hmm. and as far as i'm concerned pretty much checks off the boxes for what steve cohen wanted i i mean i think jared porter is going to be an excellent signing for this team i agree with you and dave thanks for the call if you're a Mets fan and, and and first of all i have to admit that we actually last week i think we all agreed here on this show that that sandy alderson was just going to assume gm responsibilities for that year right i think we all agreed on that and and they made the, the trevor may deal with that structure intact and then Late breaking news Saturday night around what seven o'clock p.m. The Mets have announced that they have a new GM. And his name is Jared Porter, and and there's a lot to like about him. I love that he began his career as an intern with the Cape Cod League, and he worked his way all the way up. Right? I love that. I love guys like that. Luis Rojas is another one. I told you guys that for this team, I would be looking like he just said for a couple different characteristics. One, a guy that had experience. I mean, let's just talk about. Long gone are those Brody Van Wagenen days. Porter is from the Theo Epstein tree. You know, this, everybody talks about coaching trees, but Porter is from the Theo Epstein uh, administrative tree and is coming to the Mets after being an assistant GM in Arizona since November of 2016. Check. He has an immense scouting background. Hence, uh, my suggestion was Jeff Luna, if you remember, because he also has an immense scouting background. The idea behind that being that the Mets need to severely build up the farm. So Jared Porter, check. Scouting is this guy's thing. He was the director of professional scouting for Boston for three years and with the Chicago Cubs for two. Who has, and then you might think, who has he been a part in finding, I mean, most notably, right? Well, as director of pro scouting for the Boston Red Sox, he found Andrew Benintendi and Michael Chavis. So there you go. Benintendi? Benintendi alone. So, you know, he's had a. The other thing is he has a, a, allegedly a great balance between analytics and gut feel. Middle of the road person. Those are the kind of people that I like. I don't like when it goes all the way one way or the other. Okay. Larusa is too gut manager for me. Aaron Boone, too analytics driven for me. I like right in the middle. And I know we're talking managers, but, you know, it, it, it all has the same mentality. And uh, a former Mets assistant GM, Alan, I think it's Baird. I'm sorry, but I think it's Baird. But he said he has an appreciation for both the subjective and the objective analytic aspect in both evaluations. He appreciates both. He's got a very good network to draw from in terms of adding talent. 
in both the scouting and the analytic department because I know he believes in both. So there you have it. If you're a Mets fan, you should be happy about this hire, especially with Sandy Alderson having a seat at the table as well. The Mets are in good hands moving forward, and so are you guys up until 6 o'clock in the morning. Let's get aboard 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight in New York City. Let's let, let this run. Let this run. Tonight. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan. Can you guys tell that I slept a little bit before I got into the show? Slept for like 37 minutes according to my app. And that is one of my favorite songs, The Chainsmokers, New York City. Oh, I love that song. Gets me fired up, everybody. If you're a Giants fan, you're fired up today. If you're a Mets fan, you're fired up today. If you're a Yankee fan, you're asking yourself a couple questions, scratching your head maybe, and the Jets, you're also fired up because you might be one step closer to securing Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback for next year. And the Jets are going to keep Adam Gase around long enough, just long enough so that they are mathematically the team that is the only team remaining in order to get him. So if you're a Jet fan, you're rooting for the Jaguars from here on out. Let's go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Justin in Deer Park. You're up, Justin. Hey, Daniel. Um, first of all, I'd like to point, point about who's going to win in the NFC East Giants or, this, or Washington. Of course, the Giants, I hope. I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Two points. Mets, huge signing of that catcher. What do you think about that catcher? What do I think about it? He was, he was my number one free agent catcher coming out. Forget J.T. Real Muto. The Mets gained themselves some flexibility in signing McCann versus Real Muto. Now they can go out and they can make more moves. Do you believe that? If you're a Mets fan, more moves after what they've already done? Absolutely A-plus. I'm I'm a teacher during the week. Um, That's an A-plus grade as far as I'm concerned. That is an A-plus grade. My my, whole family through education. My grandpa was an assistant principal. I'm a science teacher than assistant principal. He just he passed in October of last year. My mom is a special education teacher. Early than now, another early intervention. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my my dad was a doctor, as I told you about when yes. I made my comment on Drew Brees. Yep, I remember. Ago. Yep. And my sister is studying to become studying to become a vet. Now she's doing epidemiology, but yeah, so education runs all to my family. Yep. So A plus for the Mets, right, Justin? Yep. And also Kyrie Irving. <laughs> last week, there really wasn't much reason I didn't call you last week because there really wasn't that much going on. There were stuff, but it just was kind of like a, like a loud, boring day in sports, if you know what I mean, sometimes. Sometimes. Slow news day, yeah. possibly. Yeah. So last week, that's why I didn't call you. It's okay. Even that I was talking to you on Twitter, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kyrie Irving. He did not case. I think <laughs> he better show it because he's going to become a watch, watch him and he's going to watch his own country. He's going to like, ruin the team, ruin the chemistry. And I think if he doesn't, if he doesn't change his act, he's going to be gone. I think if you're a Nets fan, I, I think you want him gone, don't you? I mean, He's talking about being like having all these distractions. Okay, let's 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 not get this uh, twisted here. Kyrie Irving is a master on the basketball court. 
He is a general. He is a he's an amazing talent on the court. If he could just, and this is like a big ask, apparently, if he if he could just do the responsibilities that he's contractually obligated to do, that is, speak with the media about basketball. That's all I'm asking from him. I don't know what anybody else is, but that's all I'm asking from him. And to talk about distractions, there's all kinds of distractions going on around this team. You, sir, you're the one that's creating them. Because if you just went out and did your obligations that you're supposed to be doing, there would be no problems. There would be no issues. And then did you see he went on, uh, I think it was Instagram Live tonight? I screenshot it. I think it was, yeah, it was Instagram Live. He went on again tonight. I mean, this, sir, does not count as your media availability, right? So he's on Instagram Live with somebody. I, I don't know who was on the bottom. It's only like half a face. Um, but there was a comment from Dame, Dame Lillard at, at the bottom of it as it was going, and it said, hey, hey, brah, do your media sessions with, with three laughing faces. So, yeah, do your media sessions. Stop the nonsense. Talk basketball. That's all anybody wants to hear from you. That's it. And, and it's a shame that you did not know that the fines levied by, by players in, in the NBA Basketball League um, for throughout the entire season, for what you're doing, for yelling at the refs, for whatever, those do go to charity. When do you think he finally cracks on this? Uh, when does he crack on it? I mean, he, he's already like this, broken, Like, Pat. this can't go on. <laughs> he's already broken. <laughs> this can't go on all season, can it? No, it can't. He's gonna, they're going to end up paying. A lot. I mean, like, how often is the, like, what do you get fined? Well, they already got him 25 grand. It's going to be, what, 80, I would assume it's 82 pro- games? I would <laughs> assume it's probably every game. Yeah, it's going to be every game. So 82, if there's a full season. Is there a full season? I forget. Uh, no, 73, I believe. Okay, so, so seven, 73, 73 times 25 would be. Times 25. Like, at least 1.5 mil. or 1.8, 1.8 million. Yeah. Okay. Sooner or later, this he's he's not going to keep this up all year. I mean, one point eight million. He's making thirty four, thirty five. It's not that much. But they're fi- the problem is that they're finding the team now too. The team is going to have enough of it. Yeah, I'd like to see what uh, what Sean Marks thinks about that. Yeah, I would love hey, to sorry. see. Sorry, got to talk to the media now. <laughs> yeah, and and shame on Steve Nash too for not nipping this in the butt. I mean, Steve Nash, you're an inexperienced. Uh, uh, I, I think from now on, I'm going to do air quotes here. Steve Nash is an inexperienced head coach. You need to nip this right in the I mean, I, I am not an NBA coach or professional coach by any means, but if one of my players ever did that, I don't care who that player is. You get out there and you apologize. Everybody said, oh, Steve Nash, he's so good with dealing with the media when he was a player. Really? Well, as a coach, maybe he should start guiding his players on how to do that. Kyrie Irving, man, like, like I just said, he's already broken. I don't know if there's putting him back together again. Like Humpty Dumpty, you can't really put him back together again. But he's got to knock it off. And doing these Instagram lives, Instagram stories, that doesn't count. And Dame Lillard is telling him that too. So he's obviously getting advice from some of his peers in the league. Okay, 877-337-6666. Ahmed, Walnut Creek, California. You're up. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking the call. Of course. Um, just a quick Giants point here. I definitely share the enthusiasm. Longtime Giants fan, so like we, we need this. We haven't had any meaningful December games in a while, but... Mm-hmm. um. One thing I'm worried about is, uh, personally, I don't want how good of a job that Joe Judge is doing to overshadow how bad 
Gettleman has been. I feel like no matter what we well, do this year, yeah. you'll need to get the Gettleman. No. We can't forget things like giving Antoine Basaya two years. We can't forget things like, you know, not getting anything for Landon Collins midseason. All those things can't be forgotten just because Joe Judge is over here. Really whipping these guys into shape. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Let me just ask you a real serious question. Yep. Dave Gettleman, was he a part of hiring Joe Judge or not? Of course. Okay. Yes. Dave Gettleman, he combined with Joe Judge, did they sign a, a, an A plus defensive free agent class this offseason? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There's your answer. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Does that let Gettleman off the hook yes. for what he's done here the last two to three years? Yes, absolutely. Wow. It I does. I think it does. It does. There's so many holes on this team that if Joe Judge didn't step in this year and do what he's done, yeah, but if, if he, if he, but, but Ahmed, if he didn't, Joe but he's Judge here now. And excelled so much that we need to let Gettleman off the hook. The guy hasn't done a thing. See, I disagree with you there, Ahmed. And I'm going to keep you on because I don't want to uh, dump you in and, and then talk bad about you here, oh. but because um, no. I'm, I'm not like that, but. When when you think about Dave Gettleman and and combi- the com- the combination of him and Joe Judge and what they've done together, I think is intriguing. You've got the quarterback, you've got a running back. What what holes do you see that they need to fill? Yes, a, yes, a wide receiver. They've got one of the I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they have one of the best offensive lines in the entire league right now. The defense right is playing now. out of their minds. Right now, but the last two years, three years, who cares? But who cares? We're, we're now. We're living in the now and in That's the future. Not, I mean, people that are invested in the New York football giants, we, we remember the last two to three years. Like, I can't just say, oh, Joe Judge is doing great. They're on a five-game winning streak, so I'm just going to forget what Gettleman's done. The guy's been a stool for the last two to three years. This offensive line was doing nothing, absolutely nothing. Yeah, but now they are. See, that's the thing. And, and Ahmed, thanks for the call. That, you, you can't, if you can't, Get past, I mean, we are living in the now. We are living in the now. We are living in the future. They've upped their uh, analytics department. That's for sure. Okay? The, he ha- he did not miss. I mean, he found – who's your best wide receiver on the Giants? Uh, let's, let me think. Oh, Darius Slayton? Oh, late-round pick by Dave Gettleman. I mean, he, he picked your quarterback in Daniel Jones. I think he's the real deal. Okay? He's got some growing pains, which he knew he was going to. This is his first full season under his belt. Okay? he I've, I've convinced others, by the way. And – when you look at the Giants, they've got a running back in Saquon Barkley. He's injured, obviously, right now, but he's they have him. He's can you imagine watching him behind this offensive line the way that they're playing? They're playing out of their minds. Okay, a lot of holes. I don't really see him. The unit, the defensive unit, is playing as that a unit under Patrick Graham. The offseason additions of uh, off the top of my head, uh, Blake Martinez. These are all free agent signings by Dave Gettleman, Blake Martinez, uh, Logan Ryan. Um, and the Leonard Williams trade, by the way, is happening to work out, isn't it? Eight and a half sacks later. I mean, all of the moves that he's made. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, an apologist here. He's made some bad moves, yes. But the question was, does that mean that he's going to be able to keep his job moving forward? The answer also is yes. Because the pairing of him and Joe Judge together has produced Fireworks. I mean, look at it. Ever since Joe Judge came aboard, the Giants have not missed on on a free agent signing or anything. Okay, so Dave Gettleman is here to stay. I, I can't, you know, I, I just, I don't understand 
how anyone at this point in time could say that he, he needs to lose his job. So what are you going to do? You're going to pair a head coach with a brand-new GM? A, another one? A new change again at the top of the organization, the uppermost top of the organization? You can't do that. Dave Gettleman is here to stay. Look at what he's put out onto the field. The Giants, yeah, they're in the worst division in football. Yeah, they've only got a handful of wins. Yeah, they started 0-5, by the way, with no offseason, virtually no offseason. Okay, let's just simplify it by saying like that. And they didn't have one single preseason game with a brand-new head coach. So can you imagine if if they had a couple preseason games, right, would they have started 0-5? I mean, this is the, the if, well, would they, could they kind of game. Right now, I'm a logical person. I'm looking at what the Giants are doing right now, and they are trending up for five weeks in a row. The Giants are trending up, including, well, the, 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 um, the bye week, too, included in that, I think, or is it six, including the bye? But anyway... The Giants are trending up. And when you think, I think everybody across the entire NFL is lauding the Giants' pick in Joe Judge as their head coach, right? I don't I don't know anybody that does not like Joe Judge. Do you think the Maras just said to Gettleman, here's your head coach? That's not how it works. Maybe in Jets land that's how it works, but not in Giants land. You have to understand that Dave Gettleman had a hand, I don't know how much, I'm not privy to that information, but he had a hand in selecting Joe Judge as the head coach. And now, because of that, because of what Joe Judge and Patrick Graham and Jason Garrett have been able to do with this team and sort of riding the ship, he's going to be able to keep his job. And in my opinion, deservedly so. You have another uh, draft next season, next uh, next off upcoming draft. I think the Giants. I know it's, we're way too far ahead, but I think the Giants either have to look at the cornerbacks in that draft uh, to play put somebody above or uh, beside James Bradbury, who, by the way, was also a Dave Gettleman guy from in Cal- uh, Carolina. And then I think the Giants need to look at the wide receiver class this year. Other than that, I mean, look at what they put together. And not to mention the fact that Graham Gano followed Dave Gettleman from Carolina to the Giants, and he just locked him up long-term. Dave, uh, Graham Gano is one of the best kickers in the entire NFL at the moment right now. I mean, last I checked, he had 100% extra point. Oh, he missed one. I think he missed one extra point. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got my vote for, for, for Pro Bowl kicker, Graham Gano. And, the Giants, and he, Dave Gettleman locked him up before he was even – able to even think about going elsewhere. That'd be him and Young Way Koo. Yes. And I always think that the kickers that kick inside the domes, they have it way too easy. Mm, hot take. Yeah. I mean, he's well, a not lo- a hot take, but. Yeah, it's a logical take because if you're in a dome uh, kicking, which he does for the Atlanta Falcons, versus when you're, which is, I want to get to that stadium, by the way, versus. Kicking in the elements. Gano kicking in the Meadowlands. Have you ever heard about the Meadowlands? I mean, the old Giants stadium had these swirling winds and everything that everybody talks about all the time. Here at the top of the hour, 3.04 in the morning in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 6 a.m. on the fan. We've got a full bank of calls. My God. Tonight, tonight's going to be a good night. Right? We've been talking a lot about um, a lot of different things happening here in New York. The Mets have a new GM. 
Uh, I'm getting some tweets about, you know, backup catching situations and whatever. Uh, I got a tweet from at, uh, well, I'll just say William. It's a lot of words, a lot of letters there. But William says, uh, thoughts on signing Yadier Molina as a solid backup to McCann. Would be great 1A, 1B, tandem, especially with COVID. Don't trust Nito long-term if worse comes to worse. Also, best guess on Springer contract. Okay, so I'll, I'll take the, the catcher question first, uh, William. No on Molina. If you're a fan of the show, you know that I am totally out on Molina. He's got too much mileage. I'm about to tweet you this, by the way. Too much mileage on his body. I mean, he, play, he play, the guy plays in day-night doubleheaders. The guy has barely missed a game. Played in the World Baseball Classic, all of them. I mean, it's just too much. There's too much mileage on his body, especially, as you know, catchers, uh, being a catcher is the most physically demanding spot on the entire field. Nito will be just fine, especially when McCann. And if that doesn't work out, there's always Gary Sanchez at the trade deadline. <laughs> and then as terms of Springer, my best guess on the contract. I'm going to say, and I'm about to tweet you this too, but Springer, uh, probably I always go annually first and then kind of figure out from there. I think Springer is probably worth about $25 million annually. So I would say that at four or five years. Um, I think that would be a fine deal on both sides uh, for the Mets and for him. I got a tweet from Dave Baldanza at Gangring780. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on the if the Jets lose out and the Jets get Lawrence, do you think they should erect a Greg Williams statue at MetLife? Only half kidding. Um, I think it's a great idea. I'm being facetious, but I think it's a great idea. Why don't you just put it in uh, in the coach's room? I did play Hero by Foo Fighters in the open in, in honor of Greg Williams. So, yeah, sure. Okay, let e- let's go to the phone calls. Let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. Vernon, you are up first here on the fan yeah, Pat, it doesn't look like it's going through. Yeah, those two lines are messed up right now, so we'll try to get them fixed uh, very uh, ASAP. Okay, should I tell Vernon to call back and he can just call go down the other phone? Yeah. Okay, Vernon, I see you there. Um, one phone is not working in, in the back room here, apparently, so Vernon, call right back, and I promise i get you on, okay? I see your Packers call. Okay, Vernon, I know you call every week, so that shouldn't be a problem. You know the number. Okay, he just hung up. Okay, good. All right, let's go. Uh, Tim in East Haven, Connecticut. Tim, you're on the fan. I'm taking the Greyhound on the Hudson River line. I'm in a New York giant state, state of, mind. of mind. <laughs> Tim. The great Billy Joel, because I figured I'd spare Mr. Pat Boyle my best Marilyn Monroe happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, I didn't sing for him either. I gave him the candle and I said, you know I'm not singing for you, right? He goes, yes, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, tri-state area, Connecticut, Jersey. Right. And New York, we need to stand behind our Giants. I got one word for you. It's called Believe. I'm mad shame on you. Well, I'm trying to get rid of Gettleman. Are I, you kidding me? I know. Tim, you know I played I'm a believer. I played that for the Giants. <laughs> I'm a believer. I know you're a believer. Especially, and that meant for Joe Judge, that meant for the team, and from my standpoint, it meant for Dave Gettleman too. I mean, it's just... I don't know, Ahmed. I don't know, you know, I don't know how you can have that take with with what you've seen this season. I understand what happened in the past, but we're not living in the past. We're living in the now and living in the future. Exactly. Like the great Billie Jean King would say when someone would, like, double fault, you got to live in the now. (laughs) That's right. I mean, that's that's the only way. So my argument, or not argument, I'm sorry, my whole thing was this whole fired-up call got me going because one of my buddies, another negative Nancy, 
his name is Dave. And he texted me and he like texts me, you know, the Giants got flexed. I'm like, that's awesome. We got meaningful games in December. Well, I you mean, know why? How do you not pumped for that? Uh, well, that's a big game. And then there's always the undertone. And we'll talk about it here is the Odell Beckham undertone. You saw what he had to say this week, Tim. Oh, absolutely. And, but he was all hammering the strength of schedule. He goes, don't count those eggs. Washington football team's got the strength of schedule. Yeah. They got the easier schedule. You know, I looked that up, by the way. When have the Redskins ever ran a table? Tim, I looked that up. The the strength of schedule, right? Including today's game, by the way. I'm tired of hearing that narrative, too. I think that's just about lazy people that haven't been able to look it up. So the Washington football team, including today's game, they have the remaining teams is a 464 winning percentage. The Giants, including today's game, 479. To me, that doesn't make a difference. That's peanuts. Yep. Right? Yep. So if I were to throw out one number to you and Mr. Pat Boyle in relation to the New York football Giants, the number is 113. Can you guess what it is, either of you? Point differential. Wrong. It's called Benny Snell Jr. in week one. He's the only running back to rush for over 100 yards against this defense. Mm. What are our next few opponents' strengths other than D-Hop, who might not even play? Mm-hmm. Come on, Giant fans. One word, New York state of mind, believe. This is our year. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, of course, Tim. And, and you, you got to like what the Giants have did against – there we go. What the Giants did against Russell Wilson. I mean, he is a dual threat, obvious dual threat quarterback. And so is Kyler Murray. And we can get into the Giants' chances this week in, in, uh, versus the Cardinals. I know it's in MetLife Stadium, an empty MetLife Stadium. I think the Giants should literally just take their game plan from last week and implement it again this week. Hopkins, uh, last I checked right here on the official injury report, questionable. He did not practice on uh, Wednesday. He did not practice on Thursday, and he was limited on Friday. So what the Giants did to to um, to Wilson, to Lockett, and to Metcalf, take that, apply it to Murray, Hopkins if he plays, and I cannot think of the other wide receiver on that team. Oh, Fitzgerald and Fitzgerald. So if they – sorry, I don't know why I had a brain fart there. But um, if the Giants can do that, Especially if Hopkins doesn't play, I think it's 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 money, it's cake. I don't know how they're underdogs in this game, to be honest with you. Speaking of uh, injured and stuff, I, I just sent you. Uh, Schefter just tweeted that Kenyon Drake will play for Arizona, so they'll have their dual running back, uh, okay. Drake and Edmonds, going. Does that guy sleep? <laughs> no, I, I don't think he does. So Kenyon Drake is going to play. Well, that that's good news for the Cardinals. That is, but also the Giants have a pretty formidable uh, front. So I don't know if that even impacts the game plan uh, for for the Giants in any way. I really don't. And I'm and and Kyler Murray does not scare me. Uh, you know, I, I tell you, I, I listen to, to to the radio of sometimes of of out of town teams. You should hear what they're saying about their team out in Arizona. Oh my God, they, oh my God, they're they're so far down on Kyler Murray. They're saying he won't listen to Larry Fitzgerald trying to help him out. They're saying he's not focused at practice. They're critiquing his leadership. Um, they have. They say he has painful, strained press conferences after losses. I mean, they're saying this team is at a crossroads. Buckle up, Cardinal fans. I mean, this team is rolling into MetLife Stadium in a state of chaos. 
that I don't think people in our area quite really understand the dynamic. And I only gleaned that information because I tuned into on the radio.com app to our partners out there in, uh, in Arizona. So, okay, I got to go to Vernon next. Vernon, you're back, man. What's up, Vernon? Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Okay, congratulations on answering the Cleon Jones question. Yeah, I I, huh? I could not go a whole nother week without without wondering what that answer was. <laughs> I am impressed. Kudos to you for a job well done. Well, thanks. I did have the help of the intern. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's how, that's how you learn. Yeah, you're that's right. How you have to do it. So I'll talk a little bit quick about the Green Bay Packers. I am a diehard Packer fan. I do have a helmet signed by Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Reggie White on one helmet. Wow. I know your brother is also a Packer fan. He is, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Impresses me. And the interesting thing about the Packers, um, I was actually a Ram fan. and became a Packer fan once I learned the history about the Packers. There's a 12 to 14-year waiting list to try to become season ticket holders as investors. That's how long it's uh, there. I had done a tour of Green Bay with the Packers to learn things about them. Yeah, I love the tours. I love doing that. (laughs) And the interesting thing, because of Curly Lambeau, that's how the fans got to own the team, because at one point they needed money to continue work, this team could continue playing. And he didn't know where to go to. Rich people didn't want to buy it. So he looked towards the fans. That's how the fans actually bought the team. So that team will never leave Green Bay. Cool. I love that. (laughs) And, you know, the same was said when I did the uh, Kauffman Stadium tour, by the way. And uh, they said that when when they sold the team, they had the new owner promise that that team was never going to leave Kansas City. Same story there. Pretty cool. Well, so you know I got you a baseball question for today. All right, let's try it. I'm like 0 for 3 with these questions. You're like stumping me. Let's try it. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Who was, now we know that Mariano Rivera was the last person to wear number 42, the pitcher for the New York Yankees. Mm -hmm. Now, regarding the Mets, which player was the last player to wear 42. Oh, God. I, uh, I have no idea. Pat's shaking his head, too. I don't <laughs> want to Google it. I mean, that's an easily Googleable question. I'm just going to admit that I don't know, Vernon. Okay. It was Mo Vaughn. Mo Vaughn was the last Met to wear 42. And now i got to give you a homework assignment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. This is quick. The homework assignment is regarding this video. This video actually went viral from the New York Mets. Uh, Ron Darling and um, uh, the other host uh, talked about this Met fan, Steve Cohen, talked about this Met fan on Shea Bridge. They cracked jokes on this Met fan. And not only the way he was dressed and what he was wearing, they connected him to the Jets superfan, uh, the um, wears the fireman helmet, fireman oh, yeah. Ed. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, you will see this video. He was ranked number two super fan of the fifty states. So you can find that video. Tell me what they cracked jokes about him and why they connected him to fireman Ed. 
Have a nice day. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Vernon. Um, I, I, I didn't see the viral video. Did you see that video, Pat? He's, I see you trying to look it up. <laughs> I did not see that. No, I know. Me neither. But Okay, that's a good homework assignment. We'll, we'll get on that. Uh, what are we, 21? Yeah, okay. Let's go to Lenny in Long Island. You're on the fan, Lenny. Talking about viral videos, I think your field goal is going to be a viral video. I think it's already there, Lenny. Last yeah. I checked, it was 15,000 views. Absolutely. That's you made lot. Sarah Fuller look silly. No, she I ask, no. She should be asking you for a shirt, not uh, you asking her for a shirt. Yeah, right? that, that, that's something that was on social media, you guys. I need to find myself a Sarah Fuller <laughs> jersey. If anybody out there has the means to get one, send it here, 345 Hudson Street, in my name, please, and thank you. Lenny. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to see how far. How far of a field goal you think you could kick if you were indoors? Yeah, that's a good question because if you, if you guys did see the video, I'll probably retweet it on the break here. But if you saw the video, I was in the snow. I was not wearing metal cleats. I'm not. I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you the situation. I was wearing yeah. regular rubber cleats. My planned foot was slipping out from underneath me. So, <laughs> um, I would say I could probably. This is that was the only like. The second time I've ever tried to kick a field goal, by the way. So my, really? Yeah, my third time out. And I never played soccer because I never wanted to wear shorts in the cold weather. That's the reason why I never played oh, soccer. Um, but I could probably – I would say de- I would say definitely a 30. I would say definitely a 30-yarder. I could probably nail in indoors. Yeah. That I, is that is pretty good, kid. Nice going, thanks. Daniel. Uh, my baseball question is this, is that I'm very disappointed, Major League Baseball, for making decisions – that are uh, not for the good of the game, but making decisions for uh, for purposes of uh, of uh, negotiating, talking about the DH. Yes. With the trading, uh, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. trading for winter meetings, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they are, not to know if there's going to be a DH really takes a lot of the fun away. Disgraceful, from isn't the it? fans. Yeah. Because of the trading, because where's Nelson Cruz playing? You know, yep. without the DH, it's a little oh, well, different. And even more locally, Lenny, what are the Mets going to do with uh, both um, uh, Alonzo and Smith on their roster? What are they going to do? Exactly. They need and to speak, know. Yeah, right. Speaking of that, it's interesting. This is the first, and I've been I've been watching baseball for longer than I want to tell you. I can never remember an off season where the Yankees are not mentioned every time a player comes up. However. I really believe that they are going to trade Gary Sanchez and get some players, you know, uh, prospects in return so they can make room for JT Romuto. It just makes all the sense. Well, right? the so. problem is is that, that the Yankees are t- completely crippled by the contract of Giancarlo Stanton. They can't, they can't afford a JT Romuto. That's the problem. Well, we'll see, but if they get rid of Sanchez, they take care of his contract. Yeah, but it's not so, big though, Lenny. It's it's only it's uh, you know arbitration. It's I think about it's 6, like six thousand. Right? Yeah, like no, I mean, six million. Yeah, it's like six six three or something like that. It's it's yeah, not huge, like you know. And what about if the Mets do not get Trevor Bauer? There's no question that they need another pitcher. Uh, I'm hearing that Chicago is absolute. The Cubs will be retooling left and right with Baez and Bryant and Rizzo. They have so much to do. Theo Epstein left that team in a disaster. I do believe that they have a chance to get Hugh Darvish. So uh, let's see if that lights up the board. Yeah, we'll see, Lenny. And thanks for the call. Always always appreciate it there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not convinced the Mets would need another pitcher. I mean, maybe at the – I wouldn't do it in uh, – see, I wouldn't do it 
like now, I would maybe look to do it at the trade deadline if, in fact, that's the way that they're going. But shame on, you're right, Lenny, shame on the league, uh, especially coming out of these winter meetings, not knowing whether or not the DH is going to be in the league or not. Now, the team sent out a memo around like December 2nd or 3rd or whatever to all the teams saying or preparing them to enter this offseason as if there will be no DH in the NL. That's what the memo, the league memo went out and said. But as you've noticed, no teams have really been making any moves on any of those players. So that makes me think that there is still more to this situation. And and I think for the good of the game, like you said, Lenny, yeah, there needs to be a DH in the NL. There has to be. Because pitchers, batting is not the answer. But I will have some more answers for you on uh, whether the Giants are going to beat the Cardinals, whether the Jets are going to be able to beat the Seahawks. I'll tell you that answer right now. That's going to be a no. And then, Ben, I see the phones are still not working over there, Ben. So, Ben, if you can give us a call back um, during this commercial break, I, we can get you on the other phone. Um, ben in Queens, that is. And then the rest of you guys, hang tight. I will get to you right after this quick, very, very short break. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on The Fan. Working on a weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Swear they passed us, they doing too much. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. That's right. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here. We are too turned up. I'm sweating. It's not even hot in here, and I'm sweating. We've got a full bank of phone calls. This is an exciting night here in New York Sports Radio. Um, exciting if you're a Mets fan. Exciting if you're a Giants fan. I think you're to some degree you're excited if you're a Mets, um, a Jets fan as well. Yankees fans, I mean, what the heck is going on there? There is no news coming out of out of uh, out of the Bronx. I mean, there's a little bit of news with what Brian Cashman had to say, um, which wasn't much. I mean, at all. I mean, on DJ LeMahieu, which is obviously the first domino to fall, he had to say we have good intentions, and I think he has the same on his end. He then cited some tricky free agency and other competition. And he did say, because this is a quote, we certainly hope for a positive outcome, but it's also possible that there isn't one. So we'll just have to wait and see. If you're a Yankee fan, that is not what you want to hear come out of the mouth of the GM in regards to the number one target of your offseason. I mean, that's just it. And Kevin, <laughs> Kevin and Camden uh, you know, there's a rule where you can't call twice in the, same, in the same show, but he said he wants to ask me my Jets question. This was during the break. He said, after seeing what he's doing in Carolina, would you have re-signed Robbie Anderson? I was initially against it, but he's become a better wide receiver since leaving. What do you think? And by the way, you guys can uh, tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And what I wrote back to him was, good question, Kevin. Since he is much better without Gase, which a lot of players seem to be a lot better without Adam Gase, um, since they decided to keep Adam Guru, then we would still, I use the word, be bellyaching. That's a JJ, John Descrumptry word there. But we would still be bellyaching over Anderson if he was still here. So good for him for getting out and, and making a name for himself elsewhere. So good for him. Okay, 877-337-6666 is the number. We are full. I'm going in the order in which you guys called. I know there's a little bit of a wait. Um, ben in Queens, we had some problems with you. So we're going to go right uh, with your line. I mean, <laughs> not you. Uh, we're going to go right to you, Ben. Ben in Queens, you're on the phone. Well, problems with me would be asked, you know. That, <laughs> no, that never, serious, never. I didn't mean know, to say that. <laughs> you know, God knows birthday boy Pat has his hands full with me. Behind the anyway, let's get started. Let's go, Ben. Um, firstly, um, there was history made also 
in the MLS Cup Final. We had our first woman referee. Cool. During during that, congratulations to Columbus on winning the title there. And now let's get to Sarah Fuller. Congratulations to her, not just for kicking two extra points, but the way she handled the after-game interview. I didn't get to see it, Penn, and I'm going to be honest. I didn't. I saw it on TV, but I wasn't able to hear it. Yeah, she she was totally poised, and she admitted, yeah, yeah this this was a little bit more uh, than la- last time. I, I was good. This time, here it is. I'm kicking it, and I. She said, in the moment, she just had to overcome it. Mm-hmm. She she felt that that pressure tense up, and she goes, the school had faith in me. Parents had faith in me. I couldn't let them down. Hey, yeah. the human response right there. Yeah. Now, now, let's see. Her, we know she's good from 25 to 30. You're, you had an icier field. <laughs> yeah, but she, off. Ben, she, but she had a, she had a rush. She had defenders coming after her. I was, <laughs> I had a teeth. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, maybe we're, we're equal after that, but I would not want to kick it. I'd rather kick it on an icy field than with a, you know, 300 pound men running after me. I'll be honest with you. But hey, that that's also the thing that I found funny and great that the Tennessee players all wanted to take pictures with her after the game. Yeah, it was awesome, wasn't it? You know, that was that was hey, you know what, for whatever you may say about this, it is inspiring girls mm-hmm. who are interested across. And uh, you know what she said it. Hey, if this inspires a, another one to take up the sport, you know, I, I've done my job. Unfortunately, who can't say they did their job is my Hurricanes defense. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. You could say, you could say that my offense didn't show up, but when an opposing team comes into your stadium and rushes for 500 plus yards on you, yeah. and that tackling, I'm at work. I can't see the game because I'm unloading trucks, I'm pulling pallets, but I have an earbud in my ear, and it's tuned to ESPN, and I'm listening to the game, and I am audibly cursing. (laughs) I swear, mm, mm, that's why I said, I got to be a little medicated when I call the coach tonight. Oh, no. No. You know? And, and no, it didn't get to that point. I, I managed to rein in control because I saw things like what happened in the Western Michigan Ball State game. I, I saw what happened in the Florida LSU game and thought to myself, this could always get worse. And speaking of worse, hi, Jets. What's up? <laughs> Howdy. As a, as a Jets fan, I wasn't already embarrassed enough. A cover zero. You know... It's one thing to go 0-16 and, and tank for Trevor. Yes, that's one thing to do that. It's another thing to lose. This was fake spike, too. Because nobody ever, ever at the end of the game decides to go full-out blitz and have no one on the goal line in case somebody goes deep. Ben, that's all part of the plan, though, Ben. 
I know. That's why this, this thing is so staged. It's funny. But at the same time, it's so stupid. It can only be the Jets. <laughs> I know, Ben. I know. And, and thanks, for, thanks for the call there, Ben. I know. If Sorry about that. If, if you're a Jet fan, you know that if you're a Mad NFL, if you play Madden on PlayStation or Xbox, you know that you need to put somebody back there. The Jets didn't. That was a designed play. That was a designed mentality by Greg Williams. He meant to lose the game. You cannot convince me otherwise. You can't. And good job on Henry Ruggs for coming down with that ball because I would have been like, oh, my God, Derek Carr for delivering it. Imagine you're Derek Carr and you get up under center and you look around and you're like, your pupils get huge because you look around and you see, oh, my God, there's nobody back there. They're bringing the house. As long as I can step up and deliver a ball, we're going to be good. And that's what happened. And you have to be okay with that if you're a Jeff fan because Greg Williams, like I said before, and Dave Baldanza wants to put a statue to him. I, I played Hero by um, by the Foo Fighters. He's helping you. He's helping the tank. He's helping the tank for Trevor. And everybody's saying, oh, well, you know, in the beginning I was on the mentality of, oh, well, one player, Trevor, he's not going to help you. He's not going to help you much. But when you look at what the Jets have in addition to that, something like 18 draft picks over the next two seasons that they could turn into anything else other, you know, parlay into other deals. They have the second-best cap space in the entire league, uh, you know, for next year. I mean, what's not to like? I think the Jets would be the top destination uh, for luring a head coach, for luring um, free agents, and for luring Trevor Lawrence. And I think I have I know I know the position's not open and I don't want to get into like name games here, but when Boomer uh Sison floated that name, Coach Cower out there, you know that they talk every Sunday um at the show with the NFL Today show, that you know that they talk. You know Cower gave him the okay. That was like a barometer sort of litmus test. I would love to see Coach Cower wearing Jets green. Love it. Instant credibility. James in Monroe, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how you doing? I'm good, James. Doing a show here. What's up? Yeah, well, listen, uh, you know what? I'm going to have to ask you a question, and you need to answer this honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, first question. Uh, number one, I was the first one with you, and this goes back a long time ago, even though I'm not a Giant fan, with, and you know I'm not. I'm a Jet fan, mm-hmm. okay? But I was the first one when I started calling you a while ago, and I said to you, watch the Giants and watch how they roll. And every week I would text you or I would call you and I would tell you about the Giants. And now that the Giants are where they are, I was saying to myself, man, I saw this coming from a while ago. And you know what? And that's only because I know football very well and I I do a lot of things when it comes to statistics and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I saw what the Giants were doing to their team. They were putting together a good nucleus of guys who aren't like big name guys, but they just play well together. I mean, okay, with that being said. Yeah, but James, and and just let me just, you, you'd have to think, and maybe the cynical Giant fan didn't, but you'd have to think that after, you know, they went 0-5, but they were in every single one of them games, from, except for the, maybe the 49er game. But every one of those games, they were won and lost on, like, some of them the last play of the game. The Giants were right there. And eventually, with that nucleus of guys that you mentioned, they started turning those games into wins. Well, and that was different. It was also the quarterback. He's a young guy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, you know, he had to develop a little bit more. And I think this coach is 
actually made him step up a little bit more and be more responsible. And I think this is one of the reasons why the Giants are much better as well. Because if you look at his turnover ratio, yes. even in the last couple of weeks, yep. it's been great. Yep. You know, like he's been excellent, not throwing the ball away uh-huh. into people's hands. You know, it's it's all part of the whole realm that has made the Giants good. I know, and that tells me that the game is sort of slowing down for him at this point, which, oh, yeah. which also tells me that he's got good teachers above him teaching him uh, meant the, the cerebral part of the game. Uh, can I say one thing about my Mets? Yeah. Okay, now listen. Uh, the Mets, you know, they're, they're starting to show what the Mets fans have wanted for quite a while by making, starting to make these moves, you know, with the catcher. and You know, I think their catching situation is perfect for what they want to plan with this whole team. I didn't think bringing Ria Muto in, even though he's good, mm-hmm. at, at the price he wanted, yeah. was a good thing for the team. That's why you have problems with the Yankees. And other teams, because of these big contracts that are over-flooding their team, and they can't make no moves. Mm -hmm. With the Mets, it still gives them room to make for two good big moves if they really want to do it. And I really believe that that was their whole plan all along, is to make, you know, wait for the market to, like, bear itself. And as you can see, a lot of people aren't making moves because... Number one, they're financially hit. Right. And number two, the Mets weren't financially hit Mm -hmm. because this owner didn't take that absorption last year. This is his first year of having to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, where baseball goes as far as, you know, uh, what's going to happen with this COVID situation is another thing that's in question because a lot of people are anticipating, well, what if we don't have a gateway that we can open? How much money are we going to lose again? Right. these, These are very big factors in how, the Mets are playing it kind of right, you know, that they could actually, even with the extra pitchers that are out there and, you know, the free agent uh, reliefers that are out there, mm-hmm. you know, this is a good thing to have because this is a good time to come in, buy this team like they have, and make all these moves that they can make this team very solid. Right. Yeah, they, I mean, James, they came in at the right time, these Mets. And I, and I did hear a rumor, and it's not a really rumor because he put it out there, so I'm going to say it. Maybe we can get him on the show in the coming days, possibly. But Charlie Hayes, he said that he and his son plays in or in definitely in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. I think he's at the MLB level. Um, at the end of the year, I think he got a call up. But um, Brian Hayes, his name is Charlie Hayes. He heard and he's heard that spring training won't be until April, and that's what he heard. He I think it was either a tweet or on Facebook, but either way, Charlie Hayes said April he's hearing for spring training, and that's kind of. The first I've heard of it, I heard of it. So, and don't forget, if you're a Mets fan, I don't know if you want to go too well off the deep end. I would say one more free agent, and that's probably going to be Springer because you're looking at the contract of Michael Conforto, which is up at the end of this upcoming season, and also the contract of Noah Syndergaard, which is up at the end of this season. I think if you're a Mets fan, you want them both back. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to pick between the two of them. Well, maybe Conforto would be like one A. Syndergaard would be like 1B in that situation. But keep that in mind for next season, that the contracts of those two guys will be up. So therefore, I don't know if you want to go spend like a drunken sailor on some other free agents. I think Springer would suffice. Maybe I would do Brad Hand, but but that would really be it uh, in terms of spending for the Mets. Trevor Bauer, it's it's not looking likely. I think if the Mets went and got Real Muto, we wouldn't be talking tonight about any other further options. 
But since they didn't, I think Springer's the next on the table. And then again, do not forget about Conforto and Syndergaard's contracts being up as well. Oh, wow, we are still full. Okay, I, I, I promise to get to you guys right after the other side of this break. Um, 877-337-6666 is the number. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on the fan. Handoff for Gallman. Sweeps his way left. Gallman's got a first down. Down the left sideline he goes. Across midfield. Gallman in a foot race to the 30. 25. Inside the 10 and knocked down at the Seahawks 16. I don't have to look at my notes. That's the longest run in Wayne Gallman's career. It's four in a row for Big Blue as they get ready to take on the Arizona Cardinals today at MetLife Stadium. Game time's 1 p.m. with Giants game day at 11.30. Join Carl Banks, Howard Cross, and me, Bob Papa, for all the play-by-play right here on your flagship station for Giants football. The fans, Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. I just turned this up in my headphones. Me and Pat fist pumping here on December 13th, 2020. The Giants, oh, let's let it go. Let's let it go. The Giants are playoff bound, possibly. The Jets are in the running. They've got the number one draft pick if the season ended today. The Mets are making moves. And the Yankees, maybe next week. We'll see. Or DJ LeMayhew. <laughs> hey, guys, have you wished Pat Boyle a happy birthday every time you called? Be nice to him. It's his birthday, or it was at least yesterday, December 12th. That's okay. We're still celebrating it here. Man. It's like Hanukkah. It's not just one day of my birthday. You get at least two. Well, May, the entire month of May is my birthday month. Oh, yeah. The whole month. You're one of those? Birthday, <laughs> it's my birthday month. That's me. it's my birthday month the whole month of may just so you guys know write it down the whole month of may that's my birthday (laughs) you gotta take it one step further next year it's my birthday quarter all of the summer may i didn't really have a birthday this year so this year i'm doing my birthday up big i'm doing two birthdays in one this year so where you going i don't really know i think i want to i want to go i actually i have always wanted to go to a speakeasy in new york i always wanted to do that i've been to one of those yeah i wanted to go to the chemist is that in New York? Yeah, yeah, New York City. Okay. I actually think it might be right here in Greenwich Village. Really? Yeah. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Like, you know, it's, I don't know, you're just in like a dimly lit room in like a basement. <laughs> That's cool though. Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> if there's creepy guys around you, I don't know how you're going to feel about it. Oh uh, yeah, that too. But um, then I wanted to go down the shore. Then after that, I wanted to go down the shore. I, th- I think you're going to go big. I think you're going to be like Vegas. I would love to go to Vegas. That's still, that could be on the table. Taking, I- a, taking a Golden Knights game? Yeah, my friend, actually, I learned that my friend that lives out there, one, I knew they had, I've been to their, their Golden Knights uh, tickets, uh, their season tickets, but they have Las Vegas Aviators season tickets, she told me the other day. I was All like, about that. I want to throw out the first pitch. That's my, I have a bucket list of throwing out the first pitch, and I think I can get it done with the, the Aviators. How about that? Just Steve, don't pull a 50 cent. Yeah, no. Pat, did you see my field goal? I am not going to pull a 50 you cent. You spit fire out of your mouth. You were so appalled I said that. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna throw a strike, man. 60-mile-an-hour strike I'm going to throw right to home plate. Hey, did you guys get a chance to see the video? I forgot to retweet it. Uh, I, I kicked a field goal. Craig Carton sat at the chair next to me right here, and he said my name first and last. I guess it was Monday afternoon on the air. And, of course, I, I had to beat Evan, who sits in the chair to my right, 
Um, I had to beat his field goal. Did you see it? It was miserable. And so I went out there in the elements with my cousin, family first, always. Went out to Morris Catholic. That was at Morris Catholic High School, by the way. And thank you to uh, Coach Bill, Coach Hack out there. They were very, I mean, they gave us tees and footballs and stuff to use, so that was very nice. We only brought one football with us, so that would have been terrible, actually. <laughs> um, but if you saw the video, I got it done. And I, I knew it was it. I, I, you know, I kicked a few before, and then and I, you know, we kicked a few into the soccer net. I had never really kicked a field goal. I kicked two, actually. Two field goals in my entire life up until that point. Um, during a project graduation at MetLife Stadium. And I actually made it. The first one I missed and then at MetLife Stadium, and the second one I made. I was shocked, but it, it, it didn't. No one had it on video, I asked, and no one had it on video. So we had to go out and, and kick again, and I uh, split the uprights. And it was, I felt it as soon as it went off, uh, went off my foot. I knew it was in, um, and it had some distance on it. If you see where it bounced, it bounced actually into the snowbank over uh, past the, the goalpost. So uh, Evan, Evan and Carton agreed it would probably be um, – Good from 30, and I, I think I'd have to agree. Um, and I was slipping. Oh, my God. Conditions were terrible. I have a brand-new appreciation for kickers. i tell you that much. And speaking of kickers, Lawrence Tynes will be joining us in the 4 o'clock hour to speak about uh, – I'm going to ask him to critique my kick, of course. He's seen it. I challenged him. I challenged Sarah Fuller, who um, the Vanderbilt Communications Department is reaching out to her to see if, in fact, she will kick a field goal. Because the Vanderbilt offense is so terrible that she didn't get a chance to today, but she did kick two extra points. We're getting there. So we had a kickoff last week, two extra points made today, maybe a field goal, maybe not next week, um, but maybe she'll take my challenge. Who else did I challenge? Um, I had Lauren. Oh, JJ. Hopefully, JJ's field goal kick is better than his golf swing. And finally, Pat Boyle. Pat, um, when are you going to get it done? Uh, probably. I'll try today. Now, obviously, I have to sleep. And I'm somebody now where if it's if like if I wake up and it's close to one o'clock, I just want to sit my ass on the couch and get ready for football. Me too. I don't want I don't want to have to go out now. But again, I I will. You know, I respect the challenge. I respect the uh, the request. So I will get it done. I will take a video. Um, I I was an all-state goalie for soccer in high school. So yeah, you told me you can kick a 50-yarder. I'd like to see it. Okay, maybe not 50. Okay, you said it though. uh, Yeah. Well. I could probably I could probably hit 35, 40 maybe a stretch. I will do it though this week. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how it looks. That's your homework assignment. Let's go to the phones 877-337-6666. Kevin and Kopeg and then I'm going in the order that you guys called. So hang tight there. Kevin and Kopeg, you're up. What if you were iced, Danielle? Would you still hit it? If I was what? Iced. If I was iced. I was iced. It was cold out. I, I, <laughs> there was ice going through my cleats and three pairs of socks. So, yeah, I think so. I've been a uh, Knicks fan my whole life and mm-hmm. watched year after year. I have to admit, if the Knicks are down 20 to the Celtics and Kevin Durant and Kyrie are going off, I'm switching the channel. Wait, the Celtics? Yeah, like the Knicks are down to the Celtics, 20 points, and Kevin right. Durant and Kyrie are playing, I don't know, the Cavs or oh, playing the oh, Lakers. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. And you're going to switch the channel Tara and watch Kustak. the Nets? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Knicks, they're not going to come back from 20. I yeah, mean, no. it happens once in a blue moon. Yeah, no. And Nets Lakers would be off the hook in the finals. Imagine that with all the uh, storylines with Kyrie and LeBron having this beef now with the podcast. A whole shebang. I actually have money on the on the Nets to win it all. Actually. Oh really? I do. Yeah, I did it. Uh, I gotta check the date on it. I guess. Oh, I'm in New York. I can't. I'll tweet it out when I go home. And then the debate with who's who's the better player, Kevin Durant or LeBron? Because I guess how many uh, championships does Durant have? Uh, two, and LeBron's got four. Yeah, I don't know if that's even a debate. LeBron or Durant? I, it's got to be LeBron. 
people do debate it, though, but I just hope they stay healthy, both KD and Kyrie. I know it's spinning right now with this media stuff, but and also it would, it would, it's going to rise the, uh, raise the stakes for the Knicks. You would think that, that this would be the basketball mecca now to try and outplay the uh, to outplay, for the Knicks to outplay the Nets. You got to think Tom Thibodeau is the guy in order to get that done. I like what I saw in that first game. I know it's a preseason game, but they did win. There you go. Um, they didn't win much last year, so enjoy it while you can, Kevin. Obi Wan, right? Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan. He looked good. I, I mean, I know we didn't really get into it, but but he looked good, man. I, I liked what I saw from him. Wearing Amari Stoudemire's number. I, like I saw that. that. Yeah, he, obviously the, the comparisons of him and Amari Stoudemire. I love that he wore number one. He's going to be a star. You know, th- there were times, you know, last year when the, the Knicks drafted R.J. Barrett at, what was it, three overall. You look at him and you're like, yeah, that guy's not, for me anyway, I was like, yeah, he's not really a stud. He can't make a foul shot. I said it right in the beginning, and it's still his issue. But I looked at, at Toppin, and I was like, this guy is a stud. He's going to be here for a long time. So Knicks got a good one. I can't believe he fell to them, actually. Now what's funny? Do you remember uh, Steve Nash is uh, R.J. Barrett's uh, god godfather, right? He is. Yeah, you, did, you didn't know that. No. Yeah, yeah, like they um, his, uh, Steve Nash played with R.J. Barrett's dad on the Canadian uh, national team. Oh, wow! No, I didn't know that. So that's gonna be they're gonna, they're gonna be like hugging and uh, when the Knicks play the Nets. Oh, that that's gonna be interesting. I didn't know. Hey, that. Look at that. Check it out. Definitely, that, that checks out. Cool. I believe All right, you, Kevin. All right, Kevin. Thanks for the call. All right, bye. Oh, Obi Toppin. We didn't even talk about the Knicks yet tonight. Obi Toppin looked great. He looked great. A, a kid coming in, first of all, I love what he said, too. He wanted to challenge everybody in the, um, the uh, what's it called, the conditioning test coming in. He wanted to beat everybody. He wanted to know the Knicks' records in the, in the conditioning contest. And they said on the broadcast that he beat, he did beat a few of them. I mean, this guy can pass it. This guy can dunk it. I mean, it was a sloppy game all around, but there was a lot to like about Obi Toppin. I wrote down, conclusion, the guy is going to be a stud. I mean, the dunk in the first, first dunk in his career came off a pass from Kevin Knox. You saw the bench. Everybody was fired on the, up on the bench. It was good energy. The cross-court pass, though, can do without that. Let's go to Comac, New York. Dave, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you, Danielle? I'm good. How are you, Dave? All righty. Uh... I'm a Yankee fan. Yeah. As well as an Islander fan. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm beginning to think? I'm beginning to think that the, the Steinbrenners, uh, they don't want to win bad enough. They haven't done anything with their pitching. They're still swinging for the fences. Yep. There's no small ball. It's going to be the same old garbage this year if they don't do anything about the pitching. And you got this stupid mentality about, you know, this analytics garbage and trying to hit the ball over the fence when yep. you know in the playoffs they're not going to give you anything to hit yep. over the fence. Yeah. Dave, I mean, we're in lockstep on that. They haven't addressed it. I mean, DJ LeMayu is the guy to address it, and, and they haven't rolled out the red carpet for him, it doesn't sound like. But the pitching, you know, Sabathia is gone. And Severino, you can't rely on him. He's injured. Yeah. right? You can't rely on Tanaka anymore. He's probably injured and done. And they've done nothing with the pitching. And as far as the Knicks go, I don't understand why Stevie Cohen doesn't buy the Knicks. <laughs> can he? Can he afford it? I'm oh, sure I he think could. so. I'm sure and you know could, what? Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe Steve Summers... Uh, since they have so much in common, they both have the same first name. Uh, Stevie Cohen has uh, a billion dollars to spend, and Stevie Stevie Summers has a billion people that listen to him. <laughs> Does he though? Is it a billion with a B? A, a, bi- a, bi- a billion with a B, right? That would be everybody on the whole round Earth. So, but uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe uh, Stevie uh, Summers can work something out. No, I, the Steve Summers. Steve, 
though. He got me all confused now. Steve Cohen, unfortunately, is not going to buy the Knicks. He's unfortunately not going to buy the Jets either. Sorry about that. And, and you, Dave, you counted uh, Tanaka in with the Yankees pitchers, but he's he's not a Yankees pitcher. And um, as far as what they're going to do with him, uh, Meredith Morakovic asked Brian Cashman on the S Network the other day, and she asked, uh, "Can you can would you be able to do Tanaka and LeMahieu?" And Cashman kind of had some mumbo jumbo thing about he cited the rules for about the baseball union, and the quote he had was secrecy about we can and can't do not supposed to be a transparent transaction basically saying that he didn't want to say whether or not he was going to bring back Tanaka just so Tanaka can go out and get the best money elsewhere I'm paraphrasing that part but you know for the first time in a long time the Yankees don't look like they're making any sort of moves I mean a lot the Yankees have a lot of questions and they're not going to be answered until DJ LeMahieu signs or does not sign with the New York Yankees. They're, they don't, the, Cashman told Meredith Morakovich that they do not have a, a contingency plan. So, okay, you have good intentions. DJ LeMahieu has good intentions. So just get it done, man. You're going to have to go out and do five years, $100 million. Do it. The fifth year doesn't scare me. He's a versatile fielder. He can play. Okay, once he loses his range, if, if he loses his range as a second baseman, you slide him over to first base. It's not a big deal. He can play it. And he's the hitter that you need. The, the, the spray the ball all over the field type hitter that the Mets lineup seems to have, that the Rays lineup seems to have, that all these teams that make it far into the playoffs seem to have. I, I just, I don't understand why they're not bringing players in that are are like that. They keep trying to shove Gary Sanchez and his, his K-right down our throats. And John Carlos Stanton and all these guys. You know, I talk about it every week. You guys know how I stand on that. Bob in Queens, you're on the fan. Yeah, Danielle. Yeah. I spoke to you last Saturday, yes. and I want to give you a compliment. You were one of the few hosts on the fan. Everybody predicted a Seattle blowout. Who predict, You predicted that it would be a close game. Yes, sir. And, and the guy before you, McConnell, also. Uh, let me say one thing. You mentioned before about the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned Williams and... Uh, and Brad and uh, and and uh, Bradley and Logan Ryan. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Every time I look up, this guy Jabril Peppers yes. is in on every play. Yes, and he should do it more. But he picks his spots. He's a great blitzer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that? with you. Yes. And one other thing, uh, Carl Banks, other analysts, uh, Boomer size. You know what they said about all the wild card teams that uh, if the Giants win and if they come into uh, MetLife. Let me tell you something. Nobody wants to face the Giants yes, right now. Yes, agreed. Totally. Would you, you want to face? Yeah. Would you want to face that defense? That, that defense that seems to have every wide receiver covered. I mean, when you look at and I wrote it down. Uh, Jordan Ranon, um, He had he had the stat last week. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Russell Wilson came into the game averaging two point nine three seconds before. So three seconds before a pass. One of the highest rates in the league. The yeah. Giants' five sacks came on plays that averaged 4.8 seconds. That sounds like five coverage sacks to me. Yeah, you know something? In the first few games, the pass rush wasn't good. The pass rush has gotten a lot better. Totally better. Game. Yeah. And one last thing. Yeah. The, this, this game, you know, the final game of the year against Dallas, that could determine the whole season for the Giants. If you, know, you come down to that, you win that game, you win. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? And, and, and Bob, I, I would be a little nervous there because the Cowboys 
they'd be playing for pretty much nothing at that point. I'd be a little bit nervous if I were a Giants A little fan. bit, but the little Giants bit. would have the edge. And one thing about kickers, yeah. this guy Gano on the Giants is like money in the stud. bank. Stud. Stud. Absolute stud. All right. Totally agree. You're doing a great job, Daniel. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. And when you look at, and that was from Jordan Ronan, I, you know, I, I appreciate his body of work. And that was five covered sacks. The, the Giants are playing complimentary football on the defensive side on on all levels, really. Wilson, by the way, in his post game, he said, this is a quote, I think they did a really great job, a really good job, sorry. Just trying to keep everything in front, pretty much. They had some timely calls. They did a good job of making some plays and pressuring, timely pressures against us. That's all you need to know going into this game versus Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Top of the hour, Dexter, Kevin, Kevin Dexter has an update for you guys. If you're on hold, hang there. I will get to you. I totally promise you. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on the fan in New York City. Danielle McCartan. Welcome back to The Fan, everybody. We are at the top of the hour, rolling right along here on McCartan After Midnight on this football Sunday. We've got the Giants-Cardinals, the Giants making a playoff push. We've got Jets-Seattle Seahawks, Jets making a push for uh, the number one overall pick in the draft, right? Consolation prize for a winless season and two miserable seasons with a miserable head coach in Adam Guru. I've got a question from Tim in uh, in Connecticut on I can't find it in my Twitter feed now. If you guys wanted to follow me at Coach M C C A R T A N, scrolling through my sorry I can't find it. But basically, in essence, the question was: Do you think the Yankees' reluctance to sign DJ LeMahieu stems from the fact that they're going to have to pay Aaron Judge a monster contract um, soon? Uh, yes, that's part of it, sure. But the other part of it is the fact that John Carlos Stanton is absolutely crippling. His contract is crippling the Yankees. Um, from making any sort of moves. His contract is terrible. Awful. Hated it when it happened. They didn't need a player like him because they already had a player like him in Aaron Judge. I don't care if he was coming off an NBC MVP season or not. I don't care. I, I'm on the record saying that they did not need him, especially at that dollar amount because I told you years ago that they were going to have to pay, and this is where I thought they were going to re-sign all of them years ago, obviously we all did, that they were going to have to pay Judge and Torres and Sanchez. And it was going to cripple them then. I don't know how Brian Cashman didn't see that. It's almost like malpractice at that point. I don't care what kind of season he was coming off of. They already had that kind of player. The Yankees, I think, have just delved too far in to the analytics department here. And when, when uh, Brian Cashman says... You know, about Gary Sanchez. I mean, Aaron Boone is highly complimentary about Gary Sanchez. And and, and Cashman is too. And he cited his, uh, what was it? Uh, no one, he said this to Meredith Morakovitz, no one hit the ball harder at that position than he did. Okay, so if he hit the ball hard and ends up in someone's glove, that doesn't make any sense, does it? When you're striking out, when you're not hitting the ball hard, that doesn't make any sense, does it? The only reason that Gary Sanchez is still a Yankee is because how bad he was. You can't trade him. He's got no value. You can't do anything with him. So that's the only reason why he's still a Yankee. But, I mean, I thought McCann would be a good fit for the Yankees. Someone tweeted me before about Yadier Molina. Forget Yadier Molina. The guy's got too many games under his belt. I just 
Oh, a mentor to Sanchez. The Yankees had a mentor to Sanchez. His name was Joe Girardi. They pushed him out the door. Joe Girardi, a World Series winning catcher. A catcher who called and caught a perfect game. They had that guy. And they pushed him out the door. It's a shame. It's a damn shame. Let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Let's go uh, in the order that you guys called. John in Staten Island. John, you're on the fan. Wow, it's tough to get in touch with you. It is? I'm it's sorry, John. Everybody wants to talk to you. I don't know. It's a busy <laughs> night. This is the busiest night since I've been back since the pandemic. So what do you got for me today, yeah, I John? Did, yeah, I've been, uh, the last few weeks I've been listening. I, I, you're great. Thank so, you. So, uh, uh, I'm a big Met fan. went to get my bobblehead today. Probably, uh, unfortunately, I missed Stevie Collins. Oh, I loved him. That was but, my next uh, question. You know, <laughs> I wish. I know. I, went there, I get there early. I hope, you know, I, I'm coming from Staten Island, so yeah. there's no traffic. Not, yeah, and there's you know, no traffic I, even I, in the city now. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, ah, like a Met game, you're going to sit there, take forever, and I got there an hour early. Oh, my you know, God. Who's the, who, who's the bobblehead of, John? John, who's the bobblehead of? Uh, it was a, uh, but, uh, Jacob DeGrom, back-to-back uh, Cy Young. Ooh, that's and, uh, a good one. Alonzo. Yeah, I'm, I forget it. I'm a big collector, too. Yeah. Because you know, I have to, I have to Saturday, Sunday point. I go either or. I got Saturday next year. But, yeah, cool. Uh, you know, I, ha- I have a whole mess of them on my uh, work desk. If uh, well, Hopefully, I go back to work. It's still there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure but, uh, be. So, I-, I love Springer, but the only thing is, you know, worried about the defensive alignment in the outfield. Uh, Really? You know, that's you have Conforto, you put Springer, but you know I like Nemo, but what are you going to do with Dom? You know that's the thing I worry about. Who Dom Dom Smith? You said? Yeah, because hey, wow. Atlanta catches the ball. If you watch Atlanta, they always make the plays, and we don't. And uh, you know something we got to worry about. Yeah, D- John, we, we, we need to improve. Dom Smith in the outfield. That's not legitimate. Uh, that experiment no, I know, is I know, over but for what me. Do you do if there's no DH? I know that. That's, well, that's the problem. What do you do if there's no DH? I think the good thing is, if you're a Met fan, that that they're both pretty much controllable. That I think the DH would, if they could just wait out this year, I think the DH is coming in the next collective bargaining agreement. That's what I think, even if it's not there now. So the the players are both controllable. What do you do? You you know. I don't know. You, you I just put them in like the, the owners don't want to spend the extra money. You know, the owners all want to. They're worried about their losses. Well, you, you can see it. Yeah. Well, that's that. Yes. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. The but, owners uh, are worried about that. One of them, but you, you can't. You can't go with him in left field. I know you what can't. Doing he's that bad. Yeah. He's you that just. Bad. You got to platoon him. I, I don't know what you do. And, Maybe and you give Nemo's him. Nemo's not a center fielder. He, he's, he's a not. left fielder. I think he could be like a. Brett Gardner if he played every day and left, but yeah, not a center fielder. You can see he. Bulls hit the warning track. Bulls shouldn't be hitting the warning track. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I think George Springer would would alleviate that and rectify that that issue there. But uh, uh, you, Well, hopefully, you, because I'm a Jets fan. It's so tough watching them. Uh, you know, I, I was I know. sitting there this week saying, oh, my God, we got to win. <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, up until <laughs> six seconds remaining. How is the guy getting beat deep? With, he's supposed to play back. You, you only got one play. I know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I know, yeah. I know. They're gonna mess it up. Though. I guarantee you they mess it up. I know. I'm, I'm with you. Same old Jets. They're gonna beat. Yeah, but they're playing Bill Belichick the last week. He's gonna. He's gonna ruin what he always does to me. He's gonna make me. <laughs> he's gonna ruin my year. <laughs> he's, he's gonna sit there and play his third string quarterback. You watch. Yeah, I know. That would be the game. That's the one I would circle and say, uh, "This is the game the Jets could potentially win." But you got to look yeah. at the, what the Jaguars are going to be doing too. So it's uh, you know I'm watching them both. It's back to back. I know. Right, just one game. I know. Just one one game because we ain't winning the other three. They almost beat the Vikings. They took them to overtime and then lost it. I, I mean, come on. 
And, and there was two games that they, they scored. They didn't get the two-point conversion. They were right there. Every game, they're right there. But uh, <laughs> it's going to go down to the wire. But I know. I'm a Jet fan. I, I wait for the worst. I was sitting at the fake spike game. It, it's just, <laughs> it, it's a big drop going from one to two. You know, I know it is. is. Yes. And, 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 you know, it's like the Knicks. They got the third pick, and, you know, the first two were the, the players. Yes. You know? I mean, not, not to knock the other guy. He can't shoot. Yeah, you're talk- about the shoot. You're talking about Barrett, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Drives through the hole, he can't shoot. Yep, I know. And that's that's what football is. He's going to go one to two. Is that that type of drop? And I know, I know. If I got to sit through a one in fifteen season and they don't get a pick, ugh. I know, I know. John, uh, I'm with you. I know, I know. Yeah. It's all for nothing at that point. I know. But but you're great. I you know like I said, I enjoy listening to you. Wish you the best. And uh, I know you got a lot of phone calls, but you know. Always enjoy calling you. Yeah, I appreciate it, John, and I'll talk to you enjoy next week. Enjoy the holidays, right, but I'm sure I'll call next week. Yeah, cool. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> All right, take care. Bye. If you're a Jet fan, let me just pose this hypothetical question here. If you're a Jet fan, and because they haven't indicated either way, if Adam Guru is back as your head coach next year, what would you do? I would find a new team. That was it. That it's simple as that. I would find it after two seasons of watching what he has done to this team. And how his quarterback has regressed after being the quarterback guru, I would I would find a new team. I, I, I mean, it's that easy. Let's go to Bill in Belmont. Bill, you're on the fan. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Bill? All right. Uh, the reason why I call that you have a friend that calls like all, all the time, it gives you trivia questions. But I'm I'm shocked he didn't give you this trivia question. Oh no! <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it, it if you think about it, it's pretty simple. Uh, what does Willie Mays, uh, Henry Aaron, Mo, um, Mo Vaughn even, and 90-something percent of all the black players from the 40s, 50s, and 60s who are in the Hall of Fame have in common? I mean, they're all home run hitters. I know that. No, but when in the 40s they found out that the Dodgers were going to, looking to sign some black player and bring him to the majors, they were all playing in the black leagues. And he's outside talking, how can we, you know, work out an arrangement so we all know who we were and all that stuff. And then they first picked the number 24 or 42. Mm-hmm. And even though it's the first players wore those numbers. And then they kept coming to the majors and kept running out of numbers. So it we went down to 44, 43, 24, 23. And they're all that when they got to the major leagues, they got they got able to pick a number. And all these players even went down even the sixties, Cleon Jones and Tommy Agee, twenty and twenty one. Hmm. And that's how the black people because they you know, they didn't want to talk about it. They just wanted to get in to play baseball. And that was a secret thing with them. And if you notice all these that's why forty two is so important because of the very first one. Well, Jackie Robinson being the the first one, yes, and uh, I'd have to look more into that, uh, Bill. But um, sure, uh, thanks for picking up the call and picking up the phone, and uh, maybe that wasn't explained the right way. I'd have to look into that. I really have no idea where where that kind of was going, Bill. I'm sorry, Tom in North Brunswick. Tom, you're on the fan. Uh, good morning, Danielle. Um, I have a good idea uh, how to um, you know with these with MLB, which all they care about is money, of how to, you're a school teacher, right? Yes. 
And uh, uh, what do kids talk about? They talk about baseball or football or basketball all the time. Um, and, uh, actually, I had a bunch of kids last year that loved hockey. To be honest with you, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah. foot, I would get, I would rank it as uh, probably football, basketball, hockey. They don't yeah. really talk about well, baseball. Yeah, that's that's here's the point I'm going to try to make. Yeah. Instead of <clears throat> instead of all these ridiculous uh, in, uh, stupid rule changes to try to speed up the game, it's mm-hmm. not going to work. Mm-hmm. First of all, it aggravates all the older uh, viewers. I got a great idea. What is it? Put some money into the youth leagues, you know, in the depressed areas and the inner cities and yeah. the, the rural, even regular area, you know, yeah. and uh, in boys and girls clubs, by the way, mm-hmm. you know, build some fields, have, because you know how expensive it is, all these travel leagues and yes. everything. And you yeah. build the game that way. You have, you have young people, because when I was a kid and a teenager, Danielle, the reason why I love baseball because I played it all the time. There was two things on June 21st when school was out mm-hmm. that I loved. A, I didn't have to go to school for the next two months, and B, I could play baseball every day. Yep. And and that's why I love the game. But so you Tom, know, let me ask you, that, Tom. Let me ask you a question. I, and I already know the yeah. answer to this. When you played baseball, when on, on that June 21st, the leagues were not organized. You went out in the street and you played, didn't you? Well, in the, I grew up in Summit, and there was a lot of nice fields there. There was, uh, uh, you know, there was, yeah, and that's you know another I mean. problem. There's not. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, stickball or whatever. And yeah, then, right. Uh, but and there was always a pickup game going on. Right. Like my, that's, my friends that's the point. That's the point I was trying matter to make. Fact, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I, I played in the rain. I almost got struck by lightning one time. Oh my god! <laughs> I was playing center field and I, I was running to my position. And there was a bowl of lightning. I ran home so quick. That I didn't even. Oh. But the, the point I'm trying to make, real yeah. quick, is that yeah. uh, if they put some real money into youth leagues. And build the game that way. I know it's expensive. I know it'll take time to work. I think that's a much better way instead of all these stupid rule changes. And it seems like all they care about, instead of caring about the game, they only care about how much money they can bleed out of every last penny. Yeah. You know, even with this DH thing, where you just make the, uh, I want the DH in the National League because it's selfish with the Mets because I want, I don't want them to trade Smith. But I mean, it just make the decision because it seems like all the decisions are only based on one thing, and they and the game is they're killing the game. Uh, so anyway, you have a nice day, real quick. I'm happy with the McCann signing. <laughs> Good. Uh, so you know they need to do other things, but you have a great day today, Danielle. Well, thanks, Tom. You too. Um, and I think, I mean, this is uh, you know, break is at 18, so I'm up a few seconds here. But I think one of the main issues of baseball, and I think you're, they're trying to address it, and I know it was a painful cut to the minor leagues, but they're trying to reorganize the minor leagues, I think. See, when a player gets drafted, Obi Toppin, we were just talking about him, R.J. Barrett, we were just talking, they, they go right from college right into the NBA. They're trying to do something with this G League. I think for baseball to be a little bit more successful, the players that need to be drafted need to make it to the major leagues a little bit faster because it's like a it's like a five-year thing that they – they get drafted, and you forget about them. You can't get excited about it. Oh, we could talk all night about this. Actually, I could talk to you guys all night about uh, how to improve the game of baseball. Maybe we can do that. If you guys want to call about that, we can do that. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is the phone number to get aboard. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on the fan. Hey, what's going on? It's the Moose. Coming up Monday after Boomer and Geo at 10 a.m. Moose and Maggie right here on The Fan. Reacting to Giants, Cards, Jets, Seahawks, Maggie. Yeah, Carl Banks will join us, of course. We'll get his thoughts and the latest with the Major League Baseball hot stove. Moose and I join you at 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Radio.com.
Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan. Axwell and Ingrosso lose my mind. Giants fans will be losing their mind if they win the game versus the Arizona Cardinals, which will put them at an 80% chance to win the NFC East. Of course, with a Washington football team loss. And, and there we are. Giants fans, you are excited to watch meaningful football. Who cares about the record? Throw the record out the window. The Giants are playing the best football of the season. The Cardinals fans are in chaos. The Cardinals were once 5-2, and two, and then they were hit with a bye week in week 8, and the wheels have fallen off ever since. They've lost four of the five games since that bye week, and the only game they won, by the way, if you're paying attention, was on that Hale-Murray pass versus the Buffalo Bills, the last played game. They right now are at 6-6. Six and six. And, um, again, I told you guys that I listened to their radio and read their articles and stuff just to see, you know, get the feeling in and among their team. They're playing uninspired football. Their season is slipping away. There's no sense of urgency for both the players and the coaches. They're currently number eight in an NFC field that only has room for seven playoff teams. Cliff Kingsbury last week in December, last week, when asked about the identity of his team, responded with, I'd say we're still looking for it. Yikes. And we can contrast that against the New York Giants. The Giants are deservedly so riding high after last week's victory over the then-NFC West leading. I think they're tied now, but they were leading Seahawks. Now they're 8-4. and four. Yeah, they're tied with the Rams for first place in the division. The Cardinals are right behind them in terms of the standings. I would have won that $110 on that $10 bet if the Washington football team lost to the Steelers like they were supposed to. There's a lot to love from the Giants' performance last Sunday, which, by the way, and call, I heard Bob say before, I was one of the only hosts on this radio station not completely handing Seattle a win. I knew it was going to be close. I did pick Seattle, to be honest, but I think it was like a three-point margin that I picked them to win by. I mean, right? Pretty pretty much nailed it. So we got Lawrence Tynes at exactly, pretty much exactly 440. Lawrence Tynes will be with us here on The Fan. Let's go right back to the phones, 877-337-6666. If we got some time after that, I will give you my Giants prediction. Eric, Imran Konkama, you're on The Fan. Hey, Danielle, good morning. Good morning to you, Eric. Uh, a couple things I'll rattle off real quick since you got that uh, interview okay. coming up. For, uh, uh, first off, uh, happy Hanukkah to everybody who's celebrating. Um, uh, as far as the phones being busy tonight, that's only a good thing. That just means you're doing something right. Love it. <laughs> right. The jet question you posed a minute ago, uh, if Adam Gase comes back, I will figuratively jump off the Empire State Building and hope to catch my eyelid on a nail on the way down. Oh, okay. man. Brutal. Uh, okay. Brutal. Uh, uh, just, uh, just an idea of you know what I, what I would think of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> you had that gentleman who called earlier about the Giants. Uh, just uh, the one thing I would point out is, because uh, I, I posed this question to Lori about three weeks ago, if, if, if you know people are going to start getting nervous about Gettleman actually staying around, I mean, look, you, you got to. I mean, yes, he might have made some questionable uh, things in the past on there, but you know, sometimes you don't always click with the person either, you know. And in, in, in this case, I, I'd say it's somewhat apparent that he and Judge are, you know, uh, forming a good combo mm-hmm. on there. So. Uh, you know he has he has made some things that are popping up now uh as as you know positive on there and uh correct, correct. you know um it, 
you know, you'd rather be positive now than, than continuing to be negative or flat. That's the way I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the Mets, real quick, uh, you know, I like, I like the McCann signing. Uh, I'm not really familiar with this GM that they got, but one thing I can say is I'm glad he's got experience. Yes. That's, that's foremost. Um, now, here's the, here's the thing. If it's a choice between Bauer or Springer, or both, uh, not to be greedy, but I would actually prefer Springer only because, you know, how many times did the Mets lose games because of poor defense on there? So, yeah. you know, you, you put people in their proper positions on there that's got to be able to save you a handful of games. Well, and, that, and, then, and even you know, so, that, I mean, that goes back to putting Jeff McNeil back at second base where he rightfully yes. so belongs. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, which is why you don't necessarily need to go out and get uh, LeMayu on there because I know uh, uh, some some people have suggested that. Um, yes, no, they and, don't need LeMayu. No. Right, and, and who's to say they couldn't go after Tanaka, if, you know, for another pitcher? Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not sure um, Tanaka is that number two that both of our New York teams here need, though. I, I think he, I see him now in his career as more of like a three, four type of guy. But yeah, I, right, I, but yeah. It, right, but I mean, but that's you know, I mean, the, the Mets, you know, certainly need pitch. I mean, I mean, every, every team needs pitching. I'll put it that way, just based yeah. on the on on uh, the the injury factor on there mm-hmm. but uh, but I would I would go in that direction I was hoping for Morton but he signed with Atlanta yes. but uh you know but it, you know that that's a, that's a move that would be I would consider quality for not a lot of money uh on there so uh but anyway that's what I wanted to try you have a good uh uh rest of the day Danielle I'll speak to you and thanks Eric talk to you next week appreciate it always a good call Eric and Ron Conkama. and just I just wanted to interject here that Ian Rapport and this is an assist to Dave uh, on my DMs uh Thanks, Dave, for this. But the Arizona Cardinals expect both Kenyon Drake. This is coming from uh, Ian Rappaport. The Arizona Cardinals expect both running back Kenyon Drake, hip injury, and wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, neck and back, to play today against the Giants. Full strength in a big game, he wrote, Ian Rappaport. So uh, Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Hopkins are expected to be a go versus the Giants. Um, That's big. But I think it's something that the Giants defense can handle, truthfully. Let's go to Jeff in Fairview. Jeff, you're on the fan. Hello. What's up, Jeff? How are you doing, Daniel? I'm good. Happy How are you? Happy holidays. You too. I'm, I'm doing good. All right. I'm talking about the Mets and the little Jets. Okay. The Mets got to find Bauer. I mean, he makes hitters look like fools up there. We don't know how Syndergaard's going to come back. How is he going to be? I suspect he's going to be good. I admit that. But we don't know when he's coming back. Well, the timeline, April, I, May, yeah, the timeline I saw was end of May. Be, I mean, end, yeah, end of April, beginning of May is what I saw. I don't know if that's optimistic or pessimistic, but, um, but, but, yeah, I agree with you on Bauer. Right? Obviously, he's a, coming off a Cy Young season or uh, whatever. So, yeah. um, he would be your number two behind Degrom, sure. Yeah. But I, I see. I'd be curious, and and had a lot of money too, and you know. He had a great season, but I would be curious to see what Noah Syndergaard could do before I made any more moves. I mean, it'd be great if the Mets got Bauer, sure, but I, I, he wouldn't be priority number one for me. I would want to see what uh, Syndergaard could do, then maybe make a, a move at the trade deadline. That's kind of how I would approach it. But well, we're not going to know what Syndergaard could do because he's probably be back in May, you know? But the trade deadline's yeah. in July. Sure. Mm, and Strowman, can he come back to his all-star form? Yeah, that's you know? another question mark. Yeah, so right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, what if he does? What if he does? I think I think oh, Marcus Strowman's cooking. Yeah, I mean, we're good. If, so then the Mets if would be does, good. He does. We'll win the World Series. Right. Yeah. 
Right. We're going places. Right. So I, I do like Peterson. Yes. You know, he had a good rookie year. What are they going to do with Set Lugo? Is he going to go back to the bullpen? Is he going to be a starter? Yeah, Jeff, that's a good What's question. I, I like Lugo, and I'll tell you, I don't know what they're going to do, but I like Lugo back in the bullpen. I like the back end of the bullpen looking like uh, okay. Lugo may – because Lugo could could give you some a couple innings there. I, I, the the best case scenario for me would be Lugo May Diaz, or actually no, let's flip that. Uh, Lugo Diaz May is what I would do. Okay, so you make uh, May the closer. Yeah, I would actually have like kind of like a rotating closer for the Mets. Lugo can close one day. Yeah, I, I just don't like Diaz as a I closer. Agree with that. He's like a more of a setup guy to me. Definitely agree with that. And we, I tell you what, though, the Mets are going to have a pretty good bench, you know? Yeah, the Mets are going to have one of the deepest benches in the league. Who's playing third base? So, steady. Uh, Got to be J.D. Davis, isn't it, right now at the moment, probably? I I guess, yeah. McNeil's yeah. playing second. Yep. Which is Smith good. And Alonzo. Yep. I mean, they're both great. I mean, Manfred is killing us. Yes. Manfred's He's killing the entire us. league right now. Yeah, what yeah. an idiot, man. I mean, right? I mean, he 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 knows his money. He's really good at that. But to for common sense, him and Goodell are the worst. They are the worst <laughs> for common sense. I know. And quickly, I want to say something about the Jets. Jeremy Bates did a better job than Adam Gaze with San Donald. I mean, San Donald's first year, he wasn't bad. I know. He looked pretty decent. I know. I know. And thanks, and Jeff. What, Go ahead. Go ahead. One one more thing. Yeah. Rex Ryan, his son, didn't he play with Lawrence? His son was on Clemson. He was a wide receiver. Did he play with Lawrence? Uh, that's because, a good question. I'd have to look that up. I'm not positive off the top of my head. I, I'm sure they're friends. And I know, I, I would love Cower. But would oh. Rex Ryan would ever come back? I mean, Billy Martin did it with the Yankees. Mm, yeah, I, Jeff, thanks for a question there. I don't think he would come back. I don't get the obsession with people wanting Rex Ryan to be back. I didn't want him. I didn't want the Jets to let him go. I think that's where it comes from. That's where it stems from. I think he still had more to prove. I don't think he had a good team that he was. You know, like they didn't put a good team on the field for him to coach in terms of talent. I mean, he inherited Eric Mangini's team, and that's who he took to the two AFC Championship games. Uh, but real quickly. Um, I forgot about Jimenez. I think the Mets are going to give Jimenez a good a good shot. I wrote this down earlier. Rosario at short, Jimenez at third base, I think, is what they'll do. J.D. Davis on occasion. Um, and he'll be kind of like a floater between third base and left field. And I just want to get to Mike in West Palm Beach before we're up against the break and Lawrence Tynes. Mike, you're on the fan. Stop in the morning, Danielle. How are you, Mike? I gave a shout-out. I tuned in about um, oh, 45 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I heard it was Pat's birthday, 26, and Pat, right on. Um <laughs> My son will be 26 in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, it's funny, man. That last guy that called, he always seems to have a, a fixation on Rex Ryan. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, yeah. whatever. Um, one of my least favorite jet, jet coaches. You know, he's like a cartoon character. But I, anyway. I, li- I liked him, though, in the beginning. I, I did. I thought he brought, like, a tough mentality yeah. to the Jets. But he got, oh, the shtick got old is what happened. It, right, the shtick got old. Take your shtick up to the Catskills <laughs> with a microphone and a spotlight, you yeah. know? <laughs> what he did, in essence, right? He did. Uh, Danielle, you're in May, huh? Birthday in May? Yep. Taurus. Stubborn. M- May what? May 17th. May 11th. Oh, right here, Taurus. There you go. Taurus. We're, we're firm in our convictions, for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I can't say anything about the Jets. Longtime Jet fan. And last week's game, <clears throat> you can't make it up. You know, and one caller 
called a few calls back, uh, and you were right. You know, the Giants, uh, when they beat Seattle, they're, they're, they're a tough team to go against now. I hope the Giants will do something for us New York uh, football fans. And uh, another thing, longtime Mets fan who went to some classic games. You know, and I think Cohen's going to be the new George Steinbrenner of the light blue of the light blue pinstripers in uh, in Flushing. You know, yeah. uh, we we signed McCann, we got a new GM in place. Um, and what you mentioned before too, I said a couple of weeks ago, Conforto, uh, you're going to sign him. I think he's one of the best batters to work in O2 count. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, he said that. And the president and the uh, um, the uh, uh, commissioner. I mean, what are we doing with the DH? I think I was always against it because I'm a traditionalist, but mm-hmm. you got to make it universal. It's going on 50 years, right. 73, um, since the DH uh, came into being. Um, and what else? Oh, I texted Ralph yesterday. Yeah, I said, is he the, okay? The, I don't know. He texted me back. He goes, I'm chilling. I said, Ralph, you still owe me $125 for that mountain bike I gave you. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, call Danielle. And I didn't think I'd get through this morning because you got a good following, obviously. You're up against the break. You got an interview coming up. So I'll uh, leave it at that. And um, what else? Oh, there's so many things. And now, always a pleasure. And you got the serious mojo behind the microphone. I'll leave you with this. I was a drummer back in the day. So I'm going to do a little dashboard rim shot. Right on. Love it, Mike. Appreciate the call. Talk to you next week. Uh, yes, yes, Danielle. Yeah. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Mike, always a great call there. And I love the the, the sign-out of the, the drum beat. And that's going to lead us right into Lawrence Tynes here with me on The Fan. When I'm with you, I need somebody so I forget about the way All right, rolling along here on the Carton After Midnight on The Fan. We are joined now by Lawrence Tynes, two-time Super Bowl-winning New York Giants kicker. Lawrence, thanks for joining the show tonight. Hey, I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, as you know, or may not know, Craig Carton started this uh, WFAN field goal kicking competition the other day. Called me out by name, so obviously I had to do it. I think you're looking at the kick now. I'm coaching Lawrence. What, What did I do well, and what's one thing I can improve upon? Well, Danielle, I mean, as I look at this kick, I mean, everything about it looks NFL ready. I mean, this kick, the rotation is good. The, I mean, the ball is true. It's high. Obviously, you got to get it over the line. I don't want to see anyone kicking these kicks on this challenge and hitting it 10 feet off the ground because there's no chance you would ever make it. But yeah, it looks really good. And the elements. So the difficulty is a 10. I mean, this is borderline Tynes in Green Bay, <laughs> NFC Championship level. It's even got a little draw to it. Yeah, that's a pretty damn good kick. Well, for sure. I give you, I mean, what are we at working here? One out of 10? I'm going to give that a solid eight. How do I get it to a 10 now? What do I have to do? Well, you know, I would like to see you closer to the ball. Your, your, your run-up's kind of long, so I don't know if we'd ever get that off. Mm-hmm. So maybe like a, let me see how many steps you take here. Uh, one, two, ah, uh, you know, and you've got a T, you know, you don't kick off a T in the NFL. <laughs> so if we could put that baby on the ground, I think the run up is actually fine. So maybe it's a nine. I didn't realize, but yeah, the T thing is a no go. That's high school stuff. You get rid of the T. Maybe we got something. After my kick, I challenged you. And I got to tell you the reasons being one, 
you had one of the most clutch kicks in Giants history in that Green Bay in the wind chill of negative 23 degrees, and you kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl. And two, you're really interactive with all your fans on Twitter, which I really appreciate, and I really love that. To make this on-air official, I guess, Lawrence, do you accept or will you eventually accept my challenge? I, I think I'm partially accepting. I'm not 100% committing to this kick because I have not kicked a football in a very long time. And at my age, 42, I just didn't want to like tear a muscle or pop my ACL. I'd be rehabbing with Saquon. So it may just pop up in your feed in the next three or four days and you'll be like, okay, I got him to do it. So if I do do it, you're definitely going to get the shout out for it for sure. All right. Now, I, I had a couple people, and, and I told you before, that they want you to kick lefty. That's a no-go, I heard. Yeah, no way. That would <laughs> suck. Yeah. I probably, you know, in high, in college, I could hit pretty good distances both sides. But not having trained that side of my body in a while, I mean, I'm, we're talking hip injuries. I'm still in pretty good shape. But, you know, if you're not kicking every day, you can tear something in a hurry. Yeah, I'm actually still a little sore. I'm going to be really Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you. People <laughs> underestimate the position. You know, I've gained an entirely new uh, appreciation for the kicking position. I, I promise you. <laughs> That's good. I guess the most interesting part, or one of the interesting parts, is after you're done, what if and when you do it, who's like number one on your list to challenge? God, that's a great question. Who would I challenge? And I would want someone that's not a kicker to do it, just yeah. so I could see something funny. You know, I may go Jake, Paul Schwartz, my coworkers at the Blue Rush Pod. You know, I got Paul Schwartz and Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory. Maybe Sarah. I'd like to see Sarah kick a field goal. One of those three would be on my challenge list. All right. Well, they're going to hear it. So, hey, you guys are listening to Clutch Kicker Extraordinaire, Lawrence Tynes on McCartan After Midnight. Now, Lawrence, let's talk a little, little bit about the current Giants. While we're talking about kickers, I personally think that Graham Gano is a pro bowler. When you look around, compare him against some of the other guys in the league, do you agree or disagree? I would agree. And part of that's because, you know, during the first seven or eight weeks of the season, he was our offense. I mean, obviously they've – They've played some closer games, and they haven't had to use them as much in these last three or four games. But he was the only one really keeping us in football games early in the year. He's a stud. And, listen, he kicks outside. I always I always say, look, we don't vote for dome kickers. Even when I was in the NFL, if you played in a dome, you never got my vote as a pro bowler because kicking in the Northeast is hard, and obviously it's going to get tougher as the, as the winter comes in. But – I think for sure Graham Gano is going to be a pro bowler. Now, I hope the record and they keep winning and they get in the playoffs because I think that always helps. I'm just glad they're winning because oftentimes good players on teams with bad records get overlooked. True. Good point. Now, astute fans, they've witnessed these Giants have adapted this rallying call, which is why not us? And we're going to look at this in two ways. One way, what about the makeup of this team will allow them to clinch the NFC East? You know, they have to get a little bit more explosive on offense. And I don't know if they'll ever be explosive because they don't really have a true number one receiver. I mean, Slayton's caught like five or six balls in the last four games. I mean, that's not enough. I wouldn't call it smoke and mirrors, but they're doing it the old school way, running the football and not turning the ball over is huge, right? We haven't had a ton of turnovers on offense. They have to play a certain style to win. This team is not talented enough to beat you, you know, through the air, throwing 40 balls a game. So the thing I like most about this team is that they just find ways to win. And that's really a, a, a product of Coach Judge and the staff. They're putting this team in really good situations in order to be successful. And that's the mark of a good coaching staff. So they're playing to their strengths, right? The offensive line, 
Can you imagine us saying that? It's right. a strength. <laughs> I mean, but it really is. I mean, Thomas and Lemieux and Gates. I mean, these are young players. And then when Pert gets to come in there, they ran the ball last week in Seattle and Seattle knew they were going to run it. That's when you know you have taken their will on defense. And that's hard to do. And they did it. And they almost ran for 200 yards last week. So they're not good enough if they turn the ball over. So, you know, you have to, and I know that's cliche, every team can't turn the ball over, but this team, especially turnovers kill them because they don't, they're not explosive and they can't score from anywhere on the field. They have to just matriculate the ball down the field. I, I think they have a chance here. Now the schedule's tough. Arizona, the Browns. I mean, that's a big game. I think the Browns are as good a team as there is outside the Chiefs and the AFC. You know, people don't talk about them a lot, but they win running the football. You know, the Giants have been running the ball so well, and without Saquon Barkley, I guess can you compare and contrast? I mean, for me, the running back by committee that seems to be working versus like Saquon. I don't think we got a fair evaluation of Saquon this year because that offensive line was terrible to start the season. They were horrific. I mean, you had basically two rookies. I mean, Gates is a first-year starter. I know he's he's not a rookie, but he really is, and he's playing excellent. I think he's a Pro Bowl player. Um, Andrew Thomas has just really become dominant over the last two or three weeks. I watched the film. I, I study the game. I watched all 22 films. So I watched these guys, and I've watched – Thomas from week three, four, five to now. I mean, it's, it doesn't even look like the same guy. Mm-hmm. And so, Pert, you know, I wish he would play more. There's got to be a reason he doesn't. But every time he plays, he's really good too. And then Lemieux and Hernandez, you know, Lemieux struggles in pass protection. But I just don't think Saquon got a fair shake. If Saquon was running behind this line, holy cow. I mean, I think you're talking about explosive plays, explosive plays. But it just kind of shows you the the running back is – you know, yeah, Saquon, Saquon, he's special, but you don't need a Saquon Barkley to win and be able to run the football in the NFL, which scares me because I want Saquon to be a giant forever because I know how explosive he is, but his ACL injury does scare me. We're talking about the, the Giants rallying call, which has been why not us, and we're talking with Lawrence Tynes on the fan here. Now, I, I kind of want you to ask, answer that literally, like, how could it really not be them to win the NFC East? Yeah, it's a good question. Um it, listen, they're the best team, and and I said it on our show a couple months back. I thought Washington was a scary team. I saw their defense starting to gel, and they've got some dudes over there with uh, Chase Young and some of those that that other kid off the edge, number ninety. But their their defensive front is really good. I'll say this: I think Pittsburgh lost that game the other night. I don't think Washington won it. I mean, Pittsburgh ran for nothing eight yards or something. Connors has been out. I don't think Washington are going to be good enough to to finish down the stretch. Now, I could be wrong because Alex Smith is playing pretty well, and that's amazing to see after what he's been through. I just think this, there's something to this Giants team. There's the coaching staff. We all know how, how Joe is, but this team, if you watch them and listen to them and listen to their – they're playing with a ton of confidence. People don't talk enough about them, but that defense – and that's how they win football. See, the Giants win on defense and special teams. Their special teams has been pretty poor the last two weeks, but this Giants defense is elite. And if people don't start opening their eyes to it, they are an elite defense because to go into Seattle and do what they did to to Russell Wilson and that offensive unit was pretty big time. So I think people are starting to recognize, but their defense is going to have to carry them. Their offense is not good enough yet to carry them. So I think that's that's a heart and a head decision. The Giants win the East, you think? I think they do. And 
and, and, you know, I think they win this game this weekend for sure. I'm, Kyler Murray does not scare me anymore. I don't think he scares anyone in the NFL. There's been a plan against his opponents the last three or four weeks. I mean, I think he's banged up too, but I think they win this game. I think the challenging game is obviously going to be that Browns game. And then, you know, they get Dallas. That can be scary at the end of the year because Dallas is playing for nothing and playing teams like that is always scary. Talking about two-time Super Bowl winning New York Giant Lawrence Tynes here on The Fan. I also think they win the division. And you, Lawrence, um, you know a little something about improbable Giants Super Bowl runs. Could you compare, contrast your Super Bowl winning teams mentality-wise to the one that you're watching on on game film every week? It's hard because, you know, we we had good offenses, I think, on both of those teams with elite guys. And we obviously had good pass rushers. I always say I don't like to compare our Super Bowl teams to any team until a team wins a Super Bowl. But I do like the grit that they play with and the team mentality. So if there's a comparison, this is a football team that you can tell everyone's playing for each other. There's no egos. And that was a big thing with Tom Coughlin was leave your ego at the door. And I feel like Judge has built a team right now where if you follow this team closely, it's all about the team. And that's really important. And, and if you guys want to go the distance and win, it, you can't have any egos. And this team doesn't. They just don't have any egos. I, I watch them and they're celebrating. You know, we had Lelos, kid from Dartmouth. I mean, he goes out there and makes a pick. Then he makes a fumble recovery last week in two games. And you see the celebration of the team and the sideline. That's the part I miss and love. Like, I love seeing that. They know how hard that kid's worked. He was undrafted. And nobody wanted him, and Coach Judge gave him a shot. So when players start appreciating that, that's when you know you have a team, and it's it's kind of fun to watch. It's a fun team. I I, I love watching them play. So as someone who lived it, um, went through it, does it matter? And the Giants are always knocked because they're in the worst division in, in the league. I mean, they are. But once the playoffs begin, does that even matter? It doesn't. And that's the scary. Listen, I promise you this. Nobody wants to play the Giants. Nobody wants to come to East Rutherford and play that football team. If they get in, I'm telling you. Now, I, I don't think they have enough firepower to win it all. Right. But can they win a game or two in the playoffs? Yes, 100%. Defensive football teams win in the playoffs. And now it's become more of an offensive game. And you look on the other side of the division with the AFC, I mean, the Chiefs and Buffalo Bills, I mean, they spread it out. They sling it all over the yard. But listen, they could be a scary team in the playoffs because of what their defense is able to do. And yeah, I I think they can make some noise. I don't think they're good enough to win it all. They're not there yet, but crazier things have happened. As you know. (laughs) Yeah. If uh, if the Giants do make the playoffs, where does Joe Judge fall, in your opinion, in terms of like NFL coach of the year? I think he is a coach of the year. I think he is right now. I mean, what he's done, you know, 0-5 to come in, he made guys run laps. He held people accountable. He doesn't really call anyone out publicly, but making guys run laps. I mean, at 0-5, that team could have easily said, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to lay down and we're going to finish out this season, but I'm not. So it shows you the control he has over this football team. And at 0-5, I mean, that's a tough place to be in the NFL. And Obviously, they've rattled off some wins. So they they obviously have an enormous amount of respect for Joe Judge. And there's a bunch of other good candidates out there. I mean, it's easy to cherry pick the top teams in the league. But what Joe Judge had, new coach, new season, no training camp, no OTAs, or no OTAs, they had some camp, no preseason. And to do what they're doing right now, you know, my second place would be Kyle Shanahan. No one talks about him because the Niners aren't winning a ton of games, but he's got 27 guys on IR. 
and they're still almost 500. So, but Joe Judge to me, he's not the clear cut winner, but he's definitely going to ha- get a ton of consideration. Yeah, when I, I agree with you. When I think of the like coach of the year, I think of like guys that don't have a lot to work with and, and yep. make the guys play up, not like the guys like Andy Reid. Yeah, I'm with you yep. on that. What one, I guess, one A is have you met Joe Judge? And two, if you, you know, if or if not, what is your favorite quality you, you see in him as a head coach? I have not met Joe Judge. I plan to, obviously, when the world opens back up and I can go up there and visit the team. You know, I just think he is consistent in his messaging. You hear it in his press conferences. They never look towards the next game. It's always the next day or the next practice, which is really important in pro football. And I think his consistency, and that's what players crave, is Tom Coughlin, you know, for the six years I was there, I never, after a couple months getting familiar with the program, I never had to look at a schedule for the next six years of my career there. I knew where to be what time to be there. I knew everything I needed to do. That's what Joe Judge does every day. It seems like he's tough. I love it. He's a tough guy. You can tell that. And his team plays exactly. They kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they play exactly like he is. He's a tough man and he's disciplined. I mean, this is a disciplined football team. They really are. So he's got a lot of great qualities, but for me, I just think his, his consistency because players can see right through a coach that's just making it up on the fly. And he's not doing that. He has a plan. He had a plan when he came in. And someone said this early in the season. It was a game we were watching. And, you know, they weren't losing by much, right? They were close in every game except the Niner game. I cannot tell you which commentator said it, but it was like week five or six. And he goes, this Giants team is going to be probably playing the best football at the end of the season. And he's right. They are because he saw the development every week. They were getting better, and they weren't getting blown out. They're not far away. I mean, you add a receiver and a pass rusher to this football team. I mean, then we're going to have expectations on this team. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to see your field goal video too, by the way. That's right. I'm going to potentially post it. It's not a guarantee yet, but you'll be the first one to see it. Yes, I appreciate it. Uh, Lawrence Tynes, you are on the clock, and so are you, J.J., so are you, Sarah Fuller. If you've seen the video, I challenge all these people. And, and Mr. Pat Boyle, so are you. You are also on the clock for the fan field goal competition, which I'm taking and running with, thanks to Craig Carton. <laughs> um, hey, you guys heard, he gave me an eight to begin. And after further review, a super two-time Super Bowl winning kicker gave me a nine out of ten. That's only the second time I've ever gone out to, uh, to try to kick field goals. First time doesn't even really count. I count kick two. So uh, thanks to Morris Catholic High School in Denville, New Jersey, for that. Uh, Coach Hack, Coach Bill, and the seven and two Morris County Crusaders. Greatly appreciate it. Um, very helpful in terms of equipment and everything like that. So uh, thanks to you guys out there. Car- Evan challenged me to do a thirty. I'll wait for him to nail one first. And how about we talk then? <laughs> and we're right up with an update. This is Kevin Dexter. With an update for you on The Fan, I'm Danielle McCartan. Danielle McCartan. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. WFAN. Welcome back here to McCartan After Midnight. Well, technically now we are entering McCartan in the morning territory. It is 5.03 a.m. in New York City. Hopefully you guys are... uh, Either waking up right now to my voice, which is great, or you're working. We are too. Um, or you're just 
I don't know, you're just tuning in because you like the show. I appreciate that. Um, we've got callers from all over the country calling in tonight, which is awesome. Not just our area. I love it. And, you know, we're ready to hit the reset button here. So we talked a lot uh, tonight about many different topics. This has been a fast-moving show. Pat and I were just talking how we really um, – we can't uh, – oh, I forgot I forgot to do something for you there, Pat. I forgot to send you the, uh, the thing. I'll do it. Don't worry. Sorry, I just realized that because I was actually just scrolling through Twitter. There's two things that just stuck out to me on Twitter. One – for the second week in a row at this hour, hashtag Bauer to Anaheim is trending. Again, um, he did come out and say that he is seeing it. He is appreciating it. Uh, and uh, it's it may or may not be factoring in, in, into his decision in free agency. Uh, I don't know if that's the number one thing. I think money obviously is. Don't know if Anaheim could uh, to pony up the money, but I know the Mets can. So we've been talking about that tonight. Is Bauer you know, number one on the priority list now that the Mets have a GM, uh, a very accomplished four-time World Series winning GM in Jared Porter. And I'm glad that the Mets did not go the the uh, the Brody Van Wagenen hot shot candidate route. I didn't think they would under Sandy Alderson, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and I mentioned that here before. So Jared Porter is the new Mets GM. That was like, what, 7 p.m. Saturday night that broke a couple hours ago, less than 12 hours ago. And then, uh, obviously, James McCann, a pitcher's dream catcher, has signed with the Mets. I liked him for the Yankees. Well, I liked him. He was my number one free agent catcher to begin with. Either way, Yankees or Mets. So the, the Mets went out and, and, and were aggressive in pursuing him, really, before the market really, really opened up. He's a pitcher's dream catcher. You already saw Marcus Stroman tweeting that he can't wait to work with him, that he's heard great things about him. Um, he's in top notch in pitch framing pitch blocking, just overall defense behind the plate. Obviously, he has some pop at the plate, too. So, Mets fans, you're, you're real happy right now this weekend. Um, and uh, we had a caller before who said he went to the city field today to try and meet Steve Cohen and his wife, Alex Cohen, and uh, get in the line to get the bobblehead. I saw Evan tweeted it that he tried to uh, meet them, too, but both of them, both Evan and the caller before, missed out on meeting Steve Cohen. Socially distanced, of course. But the bobblehead was a two-time Cy Young winning uh, Jacob DeGrom bobblehead. I'm probably They're probably on eBay for 500 bucks right now. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good giveaway. I just saw, uh, just a, uh, 40 minutes ago or so, Ian Rappaport tweeted that there is optimism that the Jets' Frank Gore concussion protocol will play today, although it depends on him clearing a final hurdle this morning. Um, why rush him back? You know, let's let's see what these young guys have. LaMichael P. Ryan, let's see what he's got. I mean, Adam Gase keeps saying that he's going to give him some playing time, like a good chunk. Never really does, though. So, um, Frank Gore, love you. You're a legend. Why don't you sit one more week out? Make sure you're really good to go, I would say. And so the Jets can finally get a look to see what their young guys are doing. And also, too, we talked about this just a little bit before, where is it? The Arizona Cardinals. This is Ian Rappaport as well. Arizona Cardinals expect both Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Hopkins to play today versus the Giants. Source said full strength in a big game for the Cardinals. That's Ian Rappaport. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think the Giants defense is going to uh, really struggle with that really at all. I mean, if you take the blueprint that they had against the Seattle Seahawks last week and really implement it against the Arizona Cardinals this week, it's pretty much the same idea. It's the three-headed monster with 
uh, it was the three-headed monster with Wilson, uh, with Lockett, and with Metcalf. And you got the same three-headed monster pretty much this week now that we know that Hopkins is playing, right? Fitzgerald should be playing. And Kyler Murray is also that dual-threat running sort of quarterback. And you saw in, and we mentioned before, that that the, the post-game press conference with Russell Wilson, I mean, basically, without actually saying the word confused, uh, he was confused, you know? He, he came out there and he said that, and I think it was Pete Carroll too, said that the Giants had thrown stuff at them that they, they hadn't yet seen before, which is really good. And that's a really good testament to what Patrick Graham has done with that defense. Um, the, the leader of the defense obviously has emerged to be Logan Ryan and what he's been able to do for them. I mean, last week they held DK Metcalf to, I mean, 80 yards is kind of like a lot, but it was only on five receptions. But most importantly, zero touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, Zero touchdowns. So there you go. Fitzgerald's coming off that COVID list, so no one really knows how in shape, quote-unquote, football shape it is that that he is. And you, you heard, I said it before, Cliff Kings, Kingsbury said that uh, this team hasn't yet pretty much found its identity. I'm paraphrasing there. The team that hasn't found its identity, I think it is a team that found its identity, just lost it. And as far as this game coming up later today, Start and end with Kyler Murray for me, obviously. And, I mean, as you guys know, I like to listen to out-of-town radio to get the scoop sometimes. You should hear what they have to say about Murray. And this is from a segment called Bickley Blast on our sister t- sister station out there, 98.7 Arizona Sports. This comes from Dan Bickley, who is the midday co-host of Bickley and Marota. Three of the hosts on that station have gotten these scoops. One Kyler Murray won't listen to Larry Fitzgerald's suggestions and help. Two, his focus isn't where it should be at practice. Three, they're critiquing his leadership. Four, they're adding that to a painful, stress-strained press conferences after losses. The team is at a crossroads. Buckle up, Cardinals fans. The easy fix for them is this. Kyler Murray has to get his legs under him. I mean, it's a tale of, for this entire team, what happened before the bye week and what happened after the bye week. Before the bye week, he got he was averaging 62 yards per game. After it, 46. It's really no coincidence that through week seven they were five and two, and after it, one and four. And that only win, if you remember, coming on that Hale Murray pass versus the Buffalo Bills. So there is a correlation between Kyler Murray's use of his legs and the Cardinals winning games. I mean, he's tied. I mean, it's, he's on. He's tied for 17th most accurate passer in the NFL. His quarterback rating is 16th in the NFL. Not too great, but he's got 10 rushing touchdowns on the season. Second, number two among all quarterbacks, only behind Cam Newton's 11, and then in third behind both of them is Josh Allen with six. That's a big drop off. I then asked myself, well. Where does Murray's 10 rushing touchdowns rank when you combine the quarterbacks and the running backs together? Well, fifth. The list is Dalvin Cook in this order. Cook, Henry, Newton, Antonio Gibson, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray being the fifth. Dalvin Cook, number one, obviously. That's the list. That's the whole list. So he's obviously a talented player, but I find it hard to believe that he gets it going against a Giants defense. That is really among the best in the league. You heard Lawrence Tynes just talking about it. They're still improving, too. That's the scary part. So the Giants were able to contain Wilson last week. It's the same type of dynamic dual player as Murray. 
And and by the way, something else to watch. The Arizona Cardinals kicker Zane Gonzalez, real shaky. I mean, we can go over it, but he's been real shaky. And people in Arizona have been calling for him to be benched. But guess what? Saturday, around 1 p.m., he was ruled out with a back injury. So this is something to watch. It's Mike Nugent is the kicker. So prediction time. Um, we've been talking a lot about the Cardinals' last five-game skid. Uh, really, five games, four of them being losses, right? Here's a sneaky important stat in this game. The Cardinals' defense allows teams to convert on third down 51% of the time. That's fourth worst in the league over the past three games. And they were even worse than last week than that. You know, last week alone, standalone. They gave up the highest, second highest third down percentage last week. That, my friends, is the real key to this game. If the Giants can stay on the field on third down, and I think with Daniel Jones being back, that is not difficult, let's just say. Because if the play breaks down, you know he's going to scramble. That's the real key to this game. Final score, Giants 24, Arizona 17. That's where I'm going with that. And uh, again, this is the return of Jamal Adams against his former, not, he's not coming to MetLife Stadium, obviously the Giants are there, but I'm talking about the, the matchup of Jamal Adams versus his former team in the New York Jets. Um, it's been all fluffy, fluffy in the things that he's been saying in the media uh, about his old team. The Jets are coming into this game. Do we even have to really talk about this? They are 14 and a half point underdogs. 0-12 Jets at the Seattle Seahawks, 8-4. and That's a 4 o'clock game. I don't know why it is a 4 o'clock game. Um, what can we say about this game? The worst Jets team in the history of Jets history. <laughs> uh, things to watch, maybe. Important things to watch. Jamal Adams, he's a full sack away from breaking the record for most sacks in a season by a defensive back. Have to tie it. Oh, the irony, right? Um, but he's been complimented. He said, I have no problem with Adam Gase. I just feel he didn't handle certain situations well as head coach. Uh, anybody with a brain can figure that out. Easy to say now that you're out of here, Adams. Um, he said it's going to be a fun battle. And he did say that I pray one day that they do figure it out and that they do get the ball rolling because the fans up there deserve it, basically. And the Jets fans deserve a positive season, a chance at the playoffs, and a chance at the run because they're so passionate and they're so loyal to the team. Like, like I said, nothing but respect and love. So Jets fans... You know, if you were able to come to the stadium, if the game was here in New Jersey, would you boo Jamal Adams if you could? That's the question. I would say absolutely not. I mean, it wasn't really, in my opinion, it wasn't really his fault that he got shipped out. He was unhappy uh, with the head coaching uh, situation. Yeah, he took it to the media. Okay, I can see where you could not like that, but I don't think that's cause to boo him. I think that guy, he's worth way more to this organization in what he's now worth to them. Like, safety Bradley McDougal, all right. But more importantly, in the upcoming draft, two of them actually, this upcoming draft, he's a, he's worth a first round and a third round pick. And in the next season's draft, he's worth a first round draft pick. I mean, I think that's pretty simple. Cut and dry there. So prediction time, do, do we have to? Uh, I mean, Seattle, embarrassed by the Giants last week, have to prove to the rest of the league that they are actually a good team. They're going to take it out on the Jets. I hate saying it like this, you know, because I really don't think, I don't really believe in this, but this Seattle team is going to. They're going to take it out on the Jets, whose defense is absolutely nowhere near the level of the Giants. 
Seahawks 28, Jets 14. I was like thinking like, hey, Jets 10, Jets 13. You know what? Actually, since Mims is out, I'm actually going to downgrade that. I'm going to say Seahawks 28, Jets 13. They score one touchdown and two field goals. That's what I'm going with for the New York Jets. Again, they're they're 14 and a half point underdogs. There you go. Seattle Seahawks 28, Jets 13. Mims is out. The Jets have a whole bunch of guys out. Uh, let's see. Frank Gore, you know, is questionable. Game time decision probably. Ashton Davis out. Uh, I'm just going through the notables here. Jordan Jenkins out. Uh, Denzel Mims out. Greg Van Routen out. Eiflin questionable. Gore questionable. Crowder questionable. I mean, come on. I mean, that's a, that's a long list. If you put Crowder, and I mean, Mims is already out. And the potential that Jameson Crowder could be out as well. Oh, baby. We talked about how Sam Darnold has never really had his weapons altogether. Well, here's another week where he really won't. I mean, what, has it been one week? But even though he had all those wide receivers that week, he didn't have an offensive line. So, unfortunately for him, this is not really a good showing for Sam Darnold, and he's going to be um, playing for a new team next year. I hate to say it. I, I like the kid. He's a good teammate. He's a good player. Uh, he goes up there and, and Kyrie Irving, take a hint, goes up there after every single loss and answers every single question. There's a lot to like about him, except his contract. He's due the money. The Jets are in the position to take a Trevor Lawrence. The Jets are going to take a Trevor Lawrence. That's like a no-brainer. So it's all about getting his trade value up over the next couple weeks, which th- he did do last week. He did. There's no debating that. So we'll take some calls after the break. 877-337-6666. And the Knicks surprisingly played all right. Let's just say, I mean, the defense was a story. Obi Toppin was a story out of that first preseason game. We could talk about that. And we could also talk about Kyrie Irving and how he's trying to play chess with us here in New York City. And it's just not going to work. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on the fan in New York City. Hey, what's going on? It's the Moose. Coming up Monday after Boomer and Geo at 10 a.m. Moose and Maggie right here on The Fan. Reacting to Giants, Cards, Jets, Seahawks, Maggie. Yeah, Carl Banks will join us, of course. We'll get his thoughts and the latest with the Major League Baseball hot stove. Moose and I join you at 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 1019 FM and Radio.com. One more time. Let's do this one more time, you guys. Get aboard 877-337-6666. McCartan after midnight. McCartan in the morning here on the fan. I thought they're going to say it. This is the lyric. There it is. (laughs) All right. Welcome back, everybody. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, and I tweeted this too. uh, I've had a pretty great pedigree, and I'm saying this facetiously, but I've, I've had a pretty great pedigree of coaches in my football career that I'd like to thank. I received kicking coaching from Lawrence Tynes, as you just heard like to thank him for that. Called me NFL ready. Gave it an 8 out of 10 at first. And upon further review, actually switched it to a 9 out of 10. So thank you, Lawrence Tynes. I actually received some wide receiving coaching. These are all true stories, by the way. I actually received some wide receiving coaching from Brandon Marshall over there in Carlstadt. I forget the name of the place, but in Carlstadt, I learned how to you know run some routes. Brandon Marshall, route running. And my quarterback coaching... Um, I, I owe to Mr. Phil Sims, 
who knows a little thing or two about coaching. So, you know, between the few of them, a couple Super Bowls in there. I got some Super Bowl pedigree coaches that I'd like to thank. So there you go. Phil Sims, Brandon Marshall, and now Lawrence Tynes. So NFL teams, at me. Let's do it. <laughs> I also had somebody asking me on Twitter. Oh, Bryant, I think it was. I think it was. It was earlier in the night. Bryant was asking me um, if I've ever considered a career in an MLB front office. Uh, not yet, but hey, I'm available. At me. Here we go. Okay, 877-337-6666. Oh, and by the way, I mean, it's technically the 13th now, but we started the show. It's it's Pat Boyle's birthday, by the way, everybody. Wish him a happy birthday on there. I brought him um, a candle, one candle, and he blew it out. I told him, Pat, you know, I'm not singing to you. Just blow the candle out. And uh, I brought uh, some brownies to, to put that in. Um, by the way, I bought brownies for him. And the two teams that he likes, the Cleveland Browns with sprinkles on it and the, and the Chicago Cubs sprinkles on it. I made a special trip to Market Basket and Franklin Lakes for you there, Pat. They're the best brownies I ever tasted. No, I'm not getting paid to say this. Yes, I paid full price for them. And yes, we will clean them up at, ahead of the studio when we are done with them. You are an absolute saint for that, for all of that. And yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, take care of your producer. So thank you very much. And uh Thanks for blowing up my phone uh, during the duration of the show. All of the McCartan cult followers wishing me a birthday. No, I appreciate it. And then the brownies are incredible. Right? So wherever you just said you got them from, if you're in the area where you're Bergen County, yeah. go, go try them. Yeah, Market Basket and Franklin Lakes, they have some great stuff. This is not a commercial. Um, maybe you can throw me a free brownie every once in a while. Wouldn't, wouldn't be opposed to it. Let's go to phones, 877-337-6666. Andy in Miami. Thanks for hanging on there, Andy. You're on the fan. You're always worth it, Coach, and happy birthday, Pat. <laughs> he gave you a thumbs coach, up. I, I, I want to talk about baseball, but I listened to your interview with Lawrence Tynes, and yes. I just want to add, you know, being from Miami, I have an interesting perspective on this. Mm-hmm. There's so much similarity to me between the Giants this year and the Dolphins last year. You know, in, in, in gambling terms, you'd say this is, they're a team on the come. And I, I really think they are. Um, Patrick Graham was our defensive coordinator. He left New England and was Brian Flores' defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised the Dolphins let him make a lateral move. Right. And the only thing I could figure is that the Giants probably paid him because usually for another team to let you leave, it has to be for a step up. And right. we love Patrick Graham as a defensive coordinator. He did the same thing with the Dolphins. And if you look at the Dolphins now, you know, they're ahead of the Patriots and they're guaranteed a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it with a rookie quarterback, and they're doing it with Fitzmagic, which you know is you never know what you're getting with Fitzmagic. Right. right. Brian, Brian Flores came from the Patriots coaching staff. Um, what I think is so interesting about Joe Judge is if you remember, the Giants were really hot and heavy for the Carolina coach, right? Um, who was once oh, I forget his name. I forgot his name too. Uh, Matt Rule. Thanks, Pat. Matt Rule. Yeah. Right. Matt yeah. Rule, who yeah. was a Parcells disciples, right. so they thought it would be a natural thing. And if you remember, this is I remember that day because the Giants were a laughing stock because they were about to sign Matt Rule, and then the Carolina Tech billionaire offered him more money and got him. And then he, you know, he got that offensive coordinator from LSU who made Joe Burrow a superstar with a right. spread offense. Mm-hmm. And everybody was saying, "Oh my God, what? Who the hell is Joe Judge?" Because he wasn't even interviewed. Well, the backstory to that is that. Joe Judge came from a direct recommendation from Bill Belichick. I and remember that. Unlike, yes. Right. Unlike um, Belichick 
feelings towards the Jets, (laughs) (laughs) he reveres the Giants because he came out of Wesleyan. Right. And, you know, Bill Parcells took him on, and there was always talk that if he ever left New England, he would come back to the Giants Mm -hmm. because the Giants meant so much to him. He won two Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. And uh, he personally, it wasn't wasn't Gettleman. Uh, It was... Belichick that made the recommendation that of all his coaches, because the Giants were actually wanted to talk to Josh McDaniels, Belichick said, talk to, talk to Judge. Hmm. And you look at Joe Judge, you look at Joe Judge, and you look at Brian Flores in Miami, and to me, they're one and the same. And I really see the Giants becoming what Miami became last year. And uh, I can tell you, Brian Flores is loved down here. So I just want to give you that. Yeah. Nice now, perspective, yeah. It is. Uh, on to baseball. I do want to talk about, um, again, the same topic I talked to you last week. We're no closer on LeMayu. And now Steve Cohen is out there greeting the fans, giving out bobbleheads mm-hmm. in horrible weather. He's also signing maybe the best defensive catcher in baseball. Yeah. And I guess my question for you is, there's a dichotomy, right, in my mind, between what the Mets are doing and what Cashman is doing. No doubt. Because... Cashman's big signing was Gary Sanchez. And I'm going to ask you a question, Coach. If you're going to sign for $5.5 million a catcher who you did not start in six out of the seven games against the Rays, who your $300 million investment and the best pitcher in baseball will not pitch to, Mm -hmm. what are you saying? Are you saying that because you're the guy that signed Gary Sanchez that you've got to stick with him? I mean... Are you saying that you couldn't go after James McCann because you didn't want to make the financial investment, despite the fact that James McCann is a far superior catcher to Gary Sanchez? Mm-hmm. Forget about JT Riomoto. Yep. I mean, that's, the that's, fact that they haven't, yeah. coach, the fact that they haven't signed LeMayo yet shows that they're, they would never sign Riomoto. Yes. And I find that an interesting dichotomy. Again, we're talking about teams on the rise, teams mm-hmm. on the comp. You got, you got the Mets, who clearly are not done. And now because they signed McCann instead of Riomoto, I do think Springer's realistic. Yeah. I do think Bauer's realistic, and we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. And the last point I want to make to you is I'm really curious about the Phillies signing Dombrowski because living in Miami since I've, you know, I graduated Rutgers and left Jersey, what I find so interesting is that Dombrowski ravages farm systems. <laughs> Go look at the Red Sox. They're still paying. Right. They lost Mookie Betts because of the crazy signing. Right, right. You know, on mm-hmm. J.D. Martinez and other, other players, the Red Sox made. Mm-hmm. I mean, the contract the Red Sox gave to their pitcher, um, Sale, yeah, Chris. when he was already injured, yes. that was Dombrowski. Yeah. And I guess the question I have for you is, I can understand that if you have money like the Red Sox. But the Phillies I don't. don't. Think the, Phillies, the Phillies don't. Yeah, and no. if you have, you know, you wonder what Girardi was told. Yeah, I was you thinking the Bryce, same thing. Yes. You wonder what Bryce Harper was told. Yeah. Because, you you know, you were told the Phillies are going to double down, triple down on money. I have one question. If that was true, how come Real Muto is not with the Phillies? Yeah. How come there's, question, the and how come there's questions about Zach Wheeler returning? How about, how about there's questions about Didi Gregorius returning? Yeah, I'm with right. you. And, and that's my question for you, Coach. I mean, Dombrowski is not the type of manager, uh, the, the general manager that's going to be like, okay, let's build up the farm system. Yeah. Nope. I was here in Miami. He, he signed Alex Fernandez. He signed Al Leiter. He signed Gary Sheffield. And he won a World Series. He went to the Tigers, and he got Miguel Cabrera from the Marlins, and he signed him to a $200 million contract, and it was one of the worst contracts in baseball because Cabrera was a dog after he won the batting title. And I guess my question to you is, they signed a general manager as if they have money, 
and they don't because they haven't re-signed Rio Muto. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees have money, and they're acting like they don't because they don't want to pay the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, the MVP could potentially walk. I talked to you about this last week. Yep. I see no difference. So I'm just throwing that out to you, Coach. Yeah. Andy, thanks for the call there. Uh, lot, lots there. I, I guess I'll take the Yankee angle because that's what you ended with there is, is LeMahieu. The longer this goes, I say this every week. I feel like I'm here every week. The longer this goes, the more anxiety builds in um, and the more uncertainty, the more question marks. Why did the Yankees keep Gary Sanchez? Not because of, I mean, he's got a minimal salary. What is it? Arbitration, $6.3 million, I think it is. Yankees kept Gary Sanchez because they can't get anything for him if they tried to trade him. He's having he had the worst season of his career, really. I mean, there's just not a lot to like except for the his perceived potential, potential perceived potential. Excuse me, um, and that's it. And that doesn't really get you much. So I think that the Yankees are trying to hope that he can make himself into something. So see. You, the Mets line of thought is easy to follow, right? They've they've got McCann, they've they've got uh, Trevor May to help out with their relief. Okay, so the next target, everybody collectively in the Mets nation here is looking. They've focused their attention to center field and George Springer now. But for the Yankees, the line of line of thought isn't so linear. And Brian Cashman told Meredith Morakovitz he really doesn't even have a contingency plan in case they do not sign. And I'm paraphrasing there. Um, don't take that literally. I'm paraphrasing that. Um, but maybe that's hopeful that they will get LeMahieu. But my God, if it's the fifth year that they're hung up on, just get it done. Five years, $100 million, book it. I'm, I'm over this. Just do it. Just do it already. And you, just do it too. Pick up the phone, 877-337-6666. More of your calls after this short break. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Join us tomorrow morning on Boomer and Geo. How much did the Jets lose by? Did the Giants keep it rolling? And I can't wait to tell you all what Bill Cowher told me behind the scenes at the NFL today. Boomer and Geo, 6 to 10 a.m. right here on The Fan with the warm-up show with Alan Jerry starting at 5. Welcome back here on this Sunday morning. This is the Pat Boyle special at 5.40 every morning. This means it is your last chance to get aboard here on the show tonight. Um, we've had a solid stream of phone calls coming in all night. This is probably the best night I've had since I've been back since the pandemic. So thank you to all you guys. Um, by the way, a quick uh, thing I was looking at. Obviously, I opened up Twitter on the break. There have been uh, – I, I made a guess before about the Mets bobblehead selling. Somebody posted a screenshot 11 hours ago, so a long time ago. Of, of all the bobbleheads of the Jacob deGrom, Pete Alonzo, exclusive bobblehead, whatever, $205 sold on eBay, $125 sold, $140, $110. Oh, my God. Wish I got my hands on one of them. <laughs> Just kidding. I always say that, and I always keep the things. I always keep the nice – I add them to the office upstairs. Uh, what else can we do? Oh, so the Knicks. I played, I think somebody laughed on Twitter about this. They told me they liked it. The beginning, earlier tonight, Miley Cyrus, the climb for the Knicks. Always going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes they're going to have to lose. But the Knicks have begun their climb. And, and I likened 
um, Bill Parcells and Tom Thibodeau and Joe Judge as being cut all from the same cloth. They're old school. They hold their players accountable. There's a lot to build on with Tom Thibodeau's Knicks. Coaching philosophy, I agree with. Um, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, what Tom Thibodeau said, but he said it. I like that there's competition from within. Nothing's going to be given to anyone. You have to earn your minutes. And you saw that. I mean, rotations are based on performance and what's best for the team to win. You have to impact winning. This staff will focus on teaching. That's probably the main key for me. This staff will focus on teaching. You can't just come in there, tell the guys to do this, that, and the other thing, and expect them to do it. You have to show them how to do it. And and I like that I think Tom Thibodeau, I think Joe Judge is doing this. They're teaching the players the the cerebral part of the game. Address the weaknesses. Learn the mental part of the game. It's so undervalued. It's so underpracticed. And it's so underappreciated. So I'd say, they had, first of all, the Knicks had 22. They forced 22 turnovers in that first preseason game. I'm not saying the Knicks are going to win the championship. I'm not saying the Knicks are even going to make the playoffs. What I'm saying is, you got to like what you, you see from Tom Thibodeau. He's coaching the preseason game as if it's game seven of the finals. I mean, that whole sequence of Blake Griffin left all alone to drain that three after a Knicks turnover forced a miscommunication, uh, founded in miscommunication, basically zero effort to get back and play defense. And Griffin was wide open. He drained the three. He called Tom Thibodeau called the timeout and ripped his team. Um, it's just preseason. I don't care. That's what you love to see. And is that not similar to Joe Judge making his team run laps? For making Sterling Shepard go fetch a ball he launched after getting a first down at practice? It's the same thing. Emphasis on defense? They're similar. I'm drawing the comparison. And after all, if Joe Judge's Giants, if the season ended today, stop the count, they would be in the playoffs. I don't know if any Giants fan expected that upon entering this season. So, Knicks fans, they're 1-0 in preseason ball, but that's okay. I know there hasn't been much winning around the team as of late. Go on. Go and celebrate it while you can. <laughs> Let's hit some calls. 877-337-6666 is the number. Let's go to Sparky in Dobbs Ferry. Sparky, you're on the fan. How you doing, Coach? I'm good. How are you, Sparky? Oh, fine. Now, as far as Kyrie Irving, oh, yeah. he, could take a, he could take a media lesson from Mariana Rivera. Because if you remember, after Game 7 of the 2001 World Series, Mariano experienced maybe one of the hardest losses a player could ever experience. Yet he stood in front of the media answering every question with nothing but class and dignity. Hey, hey, Sparky, let me ask you this. Even more recently, I agree with you totally. What about this? Lamar Jackson of the Jets, the cornerback for the Jets last week, answering every every question the rookie, cornerback, answering every question after he got absolutely toasted on the final game, uh, final play of the game. How about that? Take a, take a page no, out I, of his book, too. Coach, that kid's going to have a good career because he obviously has his head on his shoulders. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, let's not put the, uh, again, with the, the horse in front of the cart. Was that the expression? I know, <laughs> you know, but... Oh, that's impressive, though, after something like that. Yes. Do that. So Kyrie Irving, you better get your notebook out and start taking notes here because this is this charade, this whole thing, this whole shtick, it's not going to last. Not here in New York, anyway. Because you know what's said? 
the Nets, if that guy is concentrated on basketball, they could be a, an interesting team to watch, but he's going to have people not liking the team. Guess what? I'm I'm so in that boat. I have Sparky, I have money on on the Nets to win the championship this season. The Nets are going to be a great team if he could just stick to basketball, please. He's talking about the uh-huh. circus. He's creating the circus. Coach, I might have to jump on that bet because you know what? After last week, when you picked when you picked the Giants over Seattle, mm-hmm. that was a good call. And how about when I said that um, what's his name, Greg Williams, was going to get fired, and like twelve hours later, they fired him. Less than twelve that, hours. You know what? That's that's like addition by subtraction. Getting rid of that guy. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a troublemaker. I know. Next thing, I'm going to pick some Powerball numbers. That's going to be okay. next. <laughs> well, um. Now, as far as Joe Judge, there are two things that kind of go under the under the table. One is the guy showed he has a personality and a sense of humor when he did that fun thing with one of his plays over the college rivalry, where he ended when he lost, he wore the other team's colors and stuff. Yeah, that was Evan Ingram, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And then um, the other thing on the football part, he got that team playing with him, not afraid. And if they get in the playoffs, they're going to be a dangerous team to play against. You know, I like how you said not afraid. And as a coach myself, when your team plays not afraid, it means they're well-equipped with the game plan and the foundational skills in order to play well. So, yep. yeah. Now, as far as far as LeMay once again. Here we I are mean, again. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. I know. But it's almost like you're having a role reversal with the Yankees and Mets. They're dealing with LeMayu like as if Wilpon owns the Yankees. I know. And Steve Cohen bringing in these people now. He's like acting like a young George Steinbrenner, mm. you know. And the thing is, what's scary, Cohen is far from done. Yeah. I think he's going to do a lot more. Because you know what? Teams right now, as I was saying a few weeks ago, that – He's the fresh money where he didn't experience the losses the rest of the owners experienced. Right. And I think he's going to do a lot more. Well, I think, and Sparky, thanks for the call. I appreciate it, as always, every week talking to you. Uh, I think, like I said, everybody's pivoting to George Springer now for the Mets, obviously. Uh, I think if I were a Mets fan, I would be happy if the Mets came away with Trevor May, which obviously they did already. Uh, James McCann, which obviously they did already later, I mean, earlier Saturday. Now, I'd be happy if I were a Mets fan if, if if the Mets got George Springer and Brad Hand. That would be an A-plus offseason for me. I don't need I, – I see, I wouldn't – I think the Mets don't need Trevor Bauer as many he, – he's, he's a shiny piece – He's not. I don't think you can never have too much pitching. I get it, but he's he's not. There's so there's like like an Odorizzi. He'd be okay for the Mets. He'd be okay for the Yankees, which I was telling somebody on on the break. I don't think Bauer is. I don't think the Mets need him as badly. I think they want him more than they need him. My dad used to always say that. Do you want it or do you need it? Mets fans, you you want Trevor Bauer. You don't need him, in my opinion. Okay, let's go. Dwight in Asbury Park. You're on the fan, Dwight. Uh, yes, uh, about the uh, Jets. Um, you were talking about uh, Greg Williams. I think he um, introduced the I think he did introduce the NFL to um, the the new and improved Chris Branch, the um, receiver Henry Ruggles, the Henry Ruggles the third. 
because I haven't seen that much speed um, in the Raiders receiving courses, Cliff Fresh in the early 70s. What <laughs> yeah, do you think? Ruggs, Henry Ruggs third runs a 4-2-7 official 40-yard dash time. That is blinding speed. So, uh, I mean, I'm not really up to, up to snuff or up to speed, shall we say, on, on Raiders receivers in all, in all of history. But I could tell you that Henry Ruggs has speed to burn, and he burned the Jets. He toasted the Jets. And um, and that was all Greg on Greg Williams, and I think he did it on purpose. And uh, well, why why do you think he would do something like that? I mean, like it's, it's not like this guy he this this cornerback he had was Dion or Darrell Revis <laughs> out there yeah. out on the island by himself, right? And and Dwight, thanks for that call there. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that he did it on purpose because. Maybe he already knew he was going to be fired. Maybe he already knew he was going to be fired. You know, maybe. Um, obviously, the, the Jets were operating as two separate factions, the Jets defense and the Jets offense for the better part of almost two years now. Gase in the offense, Williams in the defense. I don't think there was much collaboration going on between the two of them. Um, I don't know. I think it was just frustrations from last season, and this season they came to a head, and and you saw it in the pregame fight on the sidelines between the two of them that week, whatever week that was. And I think I think Williams probably sensed or or even knew that he was already on thin ice, knew that he might be fired. Maybe he wants a head start on another job. Is it a head coaching gig? I wouldn't be surprised if he tried. I don't know who would take him. But Williams, like you said, he, he's not putting Deion Sanders out there. He's not putting Revis. He's not Revis Island out there. You're putting a rookie cornerback, Lamar Jackson, on one of the fastest men in the entire league with no help over the top. I mean, Williams, Greg Williams, was completely over-aggressive in a situation like that. Really. I mean, anybody that played a game of Madden, whether your console is PlayStation or Xbox, knows that you do a prevent defense there. So I tweeted after the game. It was like 4.58 p.m. on Sunday. I'm eating my dinner and thinking, sitting there thinking. I said, you know, I think Williams loses his job this week. He absolutely embarrassed his frenemy, Adam Guru, because you saw him. He was humbling, fumbling for words after. He couldn't explain it after the game. So Adam Guru, his ego, and Christopher Johnson will retaliate by stripping Williams of his job. I said that. It's on Twitter, timestamped. Monday, 11.15 a.m., Jets fire defensive coordinator Greg Williams. So I played the Foo Fighters song, Hero. There goes my hero, watch him as he goes. And that call was crucial because the Jacksonville Jaguars, after the Jets' biggest competition this season, took the Vikings to overtime and then lost. So thank you, Greg Williams, for maintaining the Jets' tank, for keeping hopes alive for Trevor Lawrence, and for beating, being a martyr to that cause. Bill in Connecticut. Bill, you're on the fan. Hey, Coach, love your show. Oh, thank you. You. Uh, you definitely know your stuff. Oh, thank you. But uh, I'm calling tonight because I want to take you and your friend, Mr. Tynes, to task a little bit on your uh, short selling, I think, of the Washington team. Okay. Um, you know, he said that uh, the Steelers lost that game. The reason that they didn't rush for hardly anything at all is because that front seven didn't let them. Yeah, it's fierce. I mean, I don't know what game he was watching, yeah. but – that line is unbelievable. Chase Young, stud. 
a beast. He's Polestad. a monster. Yeah. I wouldn't want to try to run away from him because he'd be, I'd be his lunch. <laughs> now, that would be the now, appetizer. You'd be the lunch. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. And the other thing I want to say is the Giants should be counting their blessings that they got that, that tiebreaker because, honestly, especially in the most recent game, they had no business winning that game. They were only good for 15 minutes in the first half. And, the, and the, the Washington team outplayed them both sides of the ball for 45 minutes and only because Coach said, let's go for two. Yeah, that was you guys thing. have a tiebreaker. Riverboat Ryan there's went no the arguing that, man. You guys would have yeah. got smoked in overtime. Smoked. Well, but, well. And that's, and any yeah, Giants can't predict that should recognize that. I, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, you look at Washington. <laughs> Alex Smith is a comeback player of the year, hands down. Obviously, hands down. Hands down. I, I mean, I, I might even buy an Alex Smith jersey. And I just because I saw the documentary. Okay, I, hands down, I'm an Alex Smith fan. Uh, him personally, you got McLaurin, who is one of, if not the best wide receivers. Um, you know, in football. I wish we had somebody on the other side. Right, that that's the problem. A lot better. See, that's the problem, <laughs> and I think that's where the, it matches up well against the Giants. Because mm. that, because you saw what the Giants did to DK Metcalf, zero touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, zero touchdowns. It's just the Giants are trending upwards. I think at a faster rate than the Washington football team is. That's just my. I take. don't disagree with you there. Yeah, but we got a little slightly easier road to get there than you guys got. And honestly, I think that our our defense will. We'll get us where we got to go. Well, the front and Alex seven is, won't make the mistake. Right, right, exactly. The front seven is fear, ferocious, fierce. Um, it's just the secondary that 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 they'll have to tighten up. I mean, it's going to be the Giants and, and Washington for a long time at the top of the the East for sure. Statistically speaking, that secondary is not that bad. They are ranked in the top five. Yep. We'll see. See what happens. It'll hey, be it'll be interesting. Have a great night. Thanks. Well, thank you. <laughs> Oh, it also said field goal there, too. Yeah, I mean, at the top of the NFC East is going to be Washington and the Giants for a long time to come. And that's going to be exciting, right? Because the Giants are, are going to be playing meaningful football. The Giants are still playing meaningful football. I think they beat the Cardinals today. I think the Jets get obliterated by the Seahawks today. I think, what did I say, by 28-10? Uh, 28-13, I said, for the Jets. The Giants, I have the Giants. By the way, the Giants are underdogs today, three-point underdogs today. It was head-scratching I said it last week that they were 10.5-point underdogs. And the, I have the Giants' final scores. Giants 24, Arizona 17. Hopefully by this time next week, I talk to you guys, the, Gi- the, Je- the Yankees will have signed DJ LeMahieu, and then we can kind of follow the thought process uh, of the Yankees more linearly at that point in time. If it's the fifth year, that's hanging them up. Just, just go ahead and just get it done already. Uh, I think the Mets. I think by this time next week, I think the Mets will have signed George Springer as well. I know that's a bold prediction. I know it's inevitable, but I think by this time next week, we'll be talking about the Nets, the, the Mets' new center fielder. I would like to see by this time next week an apology by Kyrie Irving and a uh, press conference by by Kyrie Irving. You know, as short as he wants to make it, just talk about basketball. The Nets play later today, six p.m. I think it is. The Knicks play later today. I think it's 7 p.m. if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe fl- I flip-flopped the times. But Giants are on at 1. Jets are on at 4. And there's there's a lot to like if you're a Giant fan. And you heard Lawrence Tynes talking about how if the Giants make the playoffs, that Joe Judge should be and will be in the running for Coach of the Year. I agree with him. So, 
We've had a steady, steady stream of calls all night. I appreciate it, you guys. Could not have done this without you. I love coming here talking with all you guys, especially on, on social media. Can't keep up, actually. Special thank you to Lawrence Tynes, two-time Super Bowl-winning Giants kicker. We had him at 440. And while you're there, just go ahead and rewind to 2 a.m. and just listen to the whole thing while you're at it. Great job to Pat behind the glass tonight. Happy birthday to you. Uh, Dexter Law. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Dexter on the updates. I almost said Dexter Lawrence. Oh, my God. Kevin Dexter on the updates. Bob Salter's up next. In the meantime, hit my socials at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach McCart. And we'll keep the conversation going there all throughout the week. Same time, same place. I will talk to you guys next week on these airwaves. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Red. W.